Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hi, friends. Thanks again for coming. It's New Year. January the 1st, 2016, and um, even though I don't celebrate New Year's and Christmas and Easter bunnies and all that kind of stuff, I wish everyone a, a great uh, New Year, you know. Um, there's a lot of people out there, men and women out there, that are, it's not such a great time for them, so, you know, maybe we can help, you know, someone else in everything that we do. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming. And Cheyenne, you've got something you said you want to read. Did you find it? I can't find it. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, it'll probably come up or you'll, you'll find it. You got me curious. What was it on? Uh, DMV. Oh, okay. That's, that's Talking drivers, um, and drivers versus um, travelers. I even saved it. Is very odd. Oh. Now I can't find it. Okay, well, I'm going to pull up. Um, if I do this by date, there it is. What, what folder is this in? Okay, I'm going to pull up driving versus flash traveling or something like that. I had a I had a document that I was putting everything in. So if anybody does come up with uh, some, some information, we're just throwing it all in one place. But okay, DMV getting out. Couple, and this is from uh, uh, a female. A couple of months ago, I re- I recontracted my driver's license at the DMV. I recontracted all the papers that you fill out to get your driver's license. In the social security number field. I put all zeros, put the zip code in brackets. I crossed out the statement, I agree, with security point checks, DUI checks. I agree to the service of process. Oh, I crossed out, I agree to the service of process. That means uh, summons to court. And then she signed it as an agent, non-assumption, all rights reserved. Okay, so she, was she? She didn't. She didn't rescind anything. All she did was just recontracted. So if she gets pulled over, it won't piss off the law enforcement monkeys. The monkeys will know 
what it is, Dr. Lasky, scan it, and they will say, do not detain. Because I, I, the way I blend it with everyone else, and I will be able to go home alive without a bullet in my head. Mm-hmm. Then she says, cross out the stuff you don't agree with, sign with restricted signature as above, zero for the social, and then she didn't get her uh, picture redone. Well, that's interesting. Go. It's different. So she basically still had a a picture and a card of, of, of identification, but uh, not uh, not a picture and a card that would. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, make her a subject to the Department of Transportation or the Ministry of Transportation or whatever. But and then she she filled out this form and it was their form, but she crossed out things she didn't agree with. Right. So she was basically filling out their form. Right, Danny. When you fill out their form and things that you don't agree with, you cross it out. I've done that many times. Well, I guess it worked for her. Like I say, there's so many d- different ways of doing things, right? And we're all learning. Right, right. Yeah, gonna, we're all I guess, learning. And, and some things will work and other things won't. And, and whatever works, great. Um, I guess she's going to be doing her plates next and passport. Wow. But she's, hey, at least she's out there trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get a lot of people in here, well, what do I do with the traffic ticket? Have you went back to YouTube and listened? No. Have you done any studying? No. There are other ones who want to cut you down that you're out there trying to do something. You're putting different things out to see what works and what doesn't. Others won't. They'll just sit back and listen. Do you you have a link that you could put in the chat for that. Um, we've got some questions on it. Um, yes. No, I don't. No? Hmm. I'd love to be able to read that over again, you know. Um, right. I'll send it to you tomorrow, remind me. Yeah, yeah. Is it a lot to type out, Cheyenne? Hi, Leo. Is it a lot to type out? We're just talking about um, driver's license versus traveling at the moment, friends. I just read a letter off about a woman that actually used their form and got a card and crossed things out on their form and stuff like that. And apparently, it seems to be working for this woman. Though, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, if you had time. Yeah, but with any contract, there was a guy who was dealing with Wells Fargo. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I think it was Wells Fargo, but it had to do with the credit card. So what he ended up doing is he redacted a lot of stuff. He took out what he he didn't like and sent it back. And one was about the interest rate. Uh, I forget what all he put in there. And then I guess he stopped paying, and then they went after him. He says, no, 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 no. You look at the contract. And he won. He was from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because like guess five says usually the Department of uh, Motor Vehicle or Department of Transportation here in Ontario usually won't accept alterations on their forms. Um, 
But um, most most of the time they won't even look. My opinion. Yeah, yeah. If you're very sneaky and careful about it. Right. You know. Yeah. There's actually a YouTube. Um, this guy was going through a um, a DUI check, and he had two other friends do the same thing. I'll have to find his uh, YouTube channel. But he he documented. I forget what was on his letter, but what he put he ended up they end, you know going through this uh, DUI checkpoint. You know, of course they stop you, and they want to see you know your driver's license, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever he had on his letter, he put it through the window. The cop was reading it, and then he says, go on. So then he had two of his other friends do the same thing, and they recorded it, and the cop said, go on. I'll have to find his um, YouTube. Yeah, I've seen a couple like that, too, and I've never, I don't know if I wrote them down or not. <laughs> not very but he tells you. He tells you what was on the paperwork. I mean, he's he's at least what he's trying to do are at least going out there and trying to see what works. And then he sees what works, and then he documents it, and then he shares it. Yeah, yeah. Hi, California. Thanks for coming. I just realized, and hi, Aaron. Thanks for coming. I'm saying hello to you on the chat and not paying attention here that you're not on a computer. You're just on phone. Am I Am I unmuted? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. everybody's unmuted unless somebody starts cursing and swearing, and uh, everybody's yeah. unmuted. Yeah, so uh, if anybody wants to, to, any, you know, Cheyenne and I were just talking a little bit about uh, what we had listened to the other day, talking about traveling versus driving and uh, kind of gathering some information. I bought a, a cheap $500 car, and uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to spend the winter studying about uh driving versus traveling and, and uh, getting this, this automobile deregistered or whatever you want to call it. So we've been kind of talking about things like that and sharing information. And, and so if anyone's got any information, I think that's my, my first step is um, since this, this automobile is, is in someone else's name, you know, I definitely want to get that straightened out before doing anything, of course, because I, the reason I bought a cheap, uh, automobile is I expected to be stolen. So uh, anyway, I'm le- trying to spend the winter learning, you know, um, steps on how yeah. to deal with this be- be- before, of course, uh, travel. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to go about this. Are you Sonia? Yes, I'm Sonia. Oh, okay. I, I, I was on the Angela Stark call last night. This is Bob, or yeah. Bob, yeah. They, yeah, they refer to me as California Bob over there. Yeah, Bob, thank you for dropping in. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's not Bob. Yeah. Well, that's what I, Space one, stop it. <laughs> stop I, it. I, heard, I heard you say that there's a couple of you. Uh, are, is this kind of like uh, you have just a small group that gathers together here every Friday? Yeah. And it's pretty much the same people all the time? Well, pr- pretty much. I've been trying to post around different places so I can draw in different uh, different men and women. And, um, 
Yeah, yeah, we're getting, you know, the odd different man or woman here and there, but I'm I'm doing my best to to reach out and try to um that's why I I was listening to you speak and you like to talk and I thought and I really enjoyed the information that you were sharing, you know, so I just, uh, appreciate you coming. Yeah, I I'd like to share uh some of what I've been doing and uh what what works, what doesn't work and the constant um I'm trying to interface better with people in society. I'm finding it very difficult. Um, yep. there's another guy, there's a guy uh in the uh, in the Texas area uh, named Aaron and I've been emailing back and forth with him and he seems to be on this same page. He doesn't really like hooking up with these people that are really dogmatic about no you have to do it this way and you have to sign it this way and and he uh so I've been kind of going back and forth with him, and uh, I'm going to ask him if he wants to. I kind of wanted to get a feel for where you all are at, what what you're doing, and what you're discussing, and what you're trying to accomplish. And uh, I think I'd like to ask uh, Aaron if he'd like to start calling in on this. If this might be a good, because he seems to be on the same wavelength that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Bob, I'm here actually. I just tuned in, so um, I'm going to be on. For as long as Tony's got the call on, so we can, yeah, let's talk. Were, were you on the Angela start uh, phone call too? I did not jump over to Angela's last night. Oh, okay. I stayed on that boring Carl Lentz jibber jabber. Yeah, I have a I have a problem with with his. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are really trying and really putting out a lot of information. But it seems like everybody's missing some important components, and uh, it reminds me of if if you leave the church, and then and then the guy outside and you say I don't know who to talk to, and the guy outside the church says, well you know what, come on back in the church and and let's kneel down and pray about it and let's see the priest. When people say, well I know you have a problem, but let's go talk to our congressman about it. The thing is, I I don't want to go back into the system. And everybody seems to be trying to guide me back into the system. I don't want to. I don't like the way society is run. I think yeah. it's horrible that people are kicked out of their homes. They have their water turned off. There's homeless people. There's hungry people. I think it's horrible that it's the law that men and women are not allowed to share. You have to charge people. Giving things away is against the law. Sharing is against the law. I think. I think society turns men and women into these robotic machines called businessmen and women, and now we have to do what our job tells us to do. I, I just I don't want to participate in this, and uh, I'd like to go through some steps that I've gone through because once you step out of the matrix, so to speak, once you step out of society, mm-hmm. people don't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so everyone's looking for what kind of guidance... Once you step out of the matrix, you have complete freedom. You don't have an identity within the system anymore. People don't know who they are, where to go to. There's no guidelines. There's no instructions, books. And what I'd like to do is get together with people and say, look, once we've stepped out of this madness, let's get some direction and some guidance and let's figure out what we're going to do with this newfound freedom. And what I'm trying to do is learn how to better communicate with people that are still in the system. It's like leaving a church, but all your friends and neighbors are in the church, and you want to go back to the church because you, we all crave human companionship. 
but all of a sudden you can't talk to them the same way you used to when you were a member of the church. And this is what I feel like with everyone in society. Yeah. Uh, also, if anyone else wants to chime in, you know, Bob and I are not dominating this call, so ideas are always welcome too. But uh, I, I have one question to Bob in your point of view. Uh, actually, it's always more than one question. Sorry, but uh, what if instead of being out of the system, what if the system is waiting for you to direct it? What if it was designed that way, and over time and ignorance, we we've all only began to, uh, or we played on one side, that business side you're talking about, not yeah. the director's side. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the in my just in my little research and thoughts, um, the the current fictional system that exists is overlaid on top of the let's say for lack of a better term common law system where you are the king i'm the king sonia's the queen and we all exist together we share we help each other we live peacefully we don't have any problems to speak of that that fictional system is overlaid on the top because until uh, so you've probably maybe heard the word like duality or there, there's always two sides to everything and um I'm coming from now the thinking of if I am made in, let's say, the image of God, but I'm supposed to be an honorable, up, upstanding, helpful, courteous man, the exact opposite of that has to exist also. Right? Maybe not within me, but in my realm or in my world. Because if it didn't, if the opposite didn't exist, obviously we wouldn't be on this show right now. <laughs> you know, we, we'd all be happy. Right. right. Can I um, can I lay out a, a let's let's get a more a basis a format here so that so make sure we're all on the same page. Yep. Because I, because I start talking to people and then they go off into their religion or aliens or. I don't know, Back, we want to go back to the Republic or the Founding Fathers, and I'm like, maybe we're not on the same page. Can we start at the beginning and make sure that we're... Yeah, for sure. When I reference, like, God or image of God and stuff, I'm, I'm catering to other folks on here so they can relate to kind of what, where me and you may go with this. So, by all means, uh, okay. take, it, take it over, let's start, and... All right, so starting at the beginning, right, there's, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, I thought this was obvious to everyone, but obvi- but it's not obvious to everyone. So I'm, I'm going to say it all out loud. It, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say it out loud. Okay, we, first of all, we have an, a, a, two realities. We have the reality in our minds that's real. It's intangible, but it's real. And we have external reality, things that we see and touch outside, physical, what we call physical reality. And I used to refer to the external reality as real reality, and the and our what we think of in our minds is just fiction and imagination, but it's still real. Your thoughts and emotions are real, right? Yes. Okay. So we have an internal reality and we have an external reality. Now, 
you can do anything you want in your internal reality, but when it comes to the external reality, the external reality is common to all of us, right? We're all, everything outside of your physical body is common to everything else in the universe. Just because you're holding something in your hand, just that just means you're in possession of it. Doesn't mean you have rights, doesn't mean you have ownership. Everything is just, it's, I'm just telling you how, what I see. So I don't believe we have rights. I don't believe in ownership. I don't believe in property. I don't believe in fairness or equality or any of these other terms that people use to say we want to set up a society which every, in which everyone's equal and, and, and fair. And I, I want to get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But first of all, all social interaction, when we interact with other human beings, Zebras always want to hang out with other zebras. Elephants always want to hang out with other elephants. Humans always want to hang out with other humans. We have a social desire to interact with each other. Now, I'm assuming that you adhere to the three basic principles. Don't harm people. Don't deceive and cheat people. And don't take things from people that they value without their consent or their permission. Right? Those, Those are universal. That applies to every situation. I believe so. All right, so I'm not going to use the word steal because I don't believe in theft, because I don't believe in property. But I will say that people come into possession of things that they value, and they'll hate you and resent you if you take from them things that they value. So these are things not to do to ensure that you have a good relationship with your fellow man. Don't hurt him, don't deceive him, and don't take things from him. Now, on the po- those are the negative things. Don't do those things. On the positive side, what we need to do is respect people, cooperate with people, share with people, and we reciprocate. We give back and forth. These are natural human instincts that we do. Now, I don't see any space aliens or angels or demons or or ghosts or poltergeists. I've never had any experience with any of this supernatural stuff. All I see on this planet are men, women, and children. I see plants, animals, and men and women and inanimate objects. That's been my experience. Quick, quick question along that. Where did they come from? Now, because I'm not super religious, but I do have an, uh, an idea that I was created by something. Like, I did not make myself, or whether you say it was my mom and her womb and this seed and all this stuff. But what do you think? Like, when you see man, woman, and child... Okay, there's there's... There's a, when we use terms like property, that sets up a whole storyline. That means there's an owner. That means there's a thief. That means someone has the rights to that property. That means it belongs to someone. Well, just by saying the word property, you've set up an entire premise. I don't believe in property. I don't see property. When people look around and I ask, what do you see? They're, they'll say, well, I see merchandise and products and property. Well, I can tell you already you're living in the commercial world. If people say they see sinners and and Jesus lives in my heart and they use that kind of language, well, I know you're living in the religious world. And when when people use the word created, that implies that there's a creator, right? Sure. If, If people use property all around me and they say property this and property that, and I look at them and go, you know what, I don't see property. Where is it? Where's the property? Show me the property. And they're pointing to things. I don't see property. I don't believe in that concept. They're just mm-hmm. things that we all use and share. When people use words like creation or the created, that implies that there's a creator. Why aren't things just 
everything just is. Why is that so hard to accept? Well, it because can I say something? Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, Bob. You know that, um, like, it, it, you say you take a box, and say you've got a blender. Okay, you take this blender apart and you put it into a box, and you shake that box around forever, and it's not going to make a blender. Okay, so you take a look at the world and man and woman and the plants and the the animals, like and like just the our body, for example. You just can't take everything from our body and put it into a a box and shake it around. It's going to create or it's going to come together as as a man or a woman. Like it just doesn't make sense that everything is just because it is. I have a comment too on his question was why what is wrong with uh, it just is and I guess it would be because what happens when it just isn't because when I die I no longer is you know so that also implies being just is kind of implies that either it's eternal or it is for the time being which means there's an end and then who <laughs> you kind of yeah, these are eternal, <laughs> eternal thoughts. I, I've heard the. It was that was just Sonia that said that, right? Uh, yeah. And I've heard that, and I've heard that storyline all my. I was raised in a uh, Southern Baptist religious background. I, I'm totally familiar with the Bible and the teachings, and and I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard all these, and over and over again. The thing is, the reason I left religion is I I don't have any personal first-hand knowledge of any of these concepts. I, I understand that people believe in rights and they believe in, in property and they believe in ownership and they, they believe that they're personal. I know, I understand people believe these things. I don't see any evidence of it. If there was a, a creator God that was communicating with us, I, I think we would know it if there's an because cre the word creation implies that there is a creator, and that puts kind of like limitations and on what the creator is. When I look out at the universe, I see that which is. The, the clouds aren't angry. The, the, the sky isn't crying when the, when the rain comes down. These are human emotions and attributes. And when we say creator, that implies that there's some kind of superhuman creature bigger and better than a human that created things like we create boxes and toys and and animal part you know and uh, you know we create toys but it, when i look out at the universe i came i came to an understanding many years ago uh, this is just my understanding that um there is there there is only god there is nothing that's not god and and god doesn't have human characteristics god doesn't create things in the way that you and I think of creating things. So I think the word creation and creator is is problematic. We kind of have to come to, you're, you're very right, before we move any farther forward, we have to have an understanding of where we're coming from on, these, on, on, on talking about this stuff, because I, like Sonia's point of view, if there is no meaning to why we're even here on this call, then obviously, why are we here? Um, but if we are on this call just because it is, you know, 
you understand where it would be real easy for folks to get lost if they I, just I choose to you and I? Well, you, you have an instinct for survival, right? You want to live and you want to be comfortable. You don't want to be in pain for your entire life. You want to live a comfortable life and you want to get along with the rest of nature, right? So you have an, you know, what you do know is that you have an instinct for survival. Now, are we on this call to please God? Are we on this call because we want to get along with our fellow human beings and have a good, fulfilled life? Some of us would say both reasons. Some of us would say both because, like you say, we, we naturally most want to be peaceful. And and some want to, um, they have the image that God is, is uh, you know, our creator has meant us to be peaceful. You know, we have that that uh, eternal um, mechanism that says we we want to be peaceful. So um, for us that uh, that study and believe in God, uh, we would uh, feel that we want to please him as well as please our fellow man. Uh, I find uh, that a lot of men and women in these, these common law groups, they, they speak of the creator, you know, God is, is the higher, the highest, and then man, and then government, and then corporations. So they speak about a, a creator um, or or a higher a power, but but that's usually the end of the conversation. You know, there's never, you know, well, really, how does he, you know, if there is a creator, um, how does he expect us to live? And internally, we really believe that we, we want to be in peace, and, and this is the, what we were created to be. Is, is in peace and happiness and things like that. So uh, with some on, on these calls, um, they, they want to please not only, um, you know, their neighbor, but the, the, our, our creator, um, because that's in harmony. We, we can sense that by, by being a peaceful man or woman, um, that's in harmony with creation, with, with the earth, with uh, the universe, um, it's just a, you know, like an instinct, like part of our conscience that uh, tells us that what, this is the what, way what it's meant your, to be. What is your experience with God? Do you do you speak to God and pray to God or commune with God? And, and what is your what is your idea or definition of what's your perception of God? Um, yeah, I do. I I pray. Um, I study. I study the Bible. Um, by studying the Bible, I I see things. Uh, even deeper, like through studying common law, it's opened my eyes to a lot of ways. But studying studying God's word opens my eyes even that much further to what's going on here. You know, um, men and women on on the common law shows say, "Oh my, you know, what are we going to do? We've got to fix this, and we've got to fix that, and what the, what's this world coming to? And how do we change it? And how do we fix it?" But when you study the Bible and you study God's Word, you can see that, that there's more to it than what we're seeing in common law. Um, it's it's going, it's heading in a direction where the Bible basically predicts it's going from bad to worse. Um, the good, like the Bible says, is being made bad, and the bad is being made good. It's it's a total twist, uh, complete complete yeah. turnaround to the way um, some of us believe it should be, which is, is peaceful and good. And 
you know, it's it's going totally opposite to that. The majority of the world is is going bad. I think we can find common ground. My perception of God is that God is everything. There is nothing that is not God. God is everything. And so this is my perception of God. This is my communion with God. This is my interaction with God. Is I don't need to speak to God or talk to God. I mean, I, that's like getting on the telephone and, and saying, I'm going to now communicate with God. Prayer, I never got into prayer because we're already communing with God. If God is omnipresent, then God is everything. God is not something that I can perceive of or, or understand, and I can't talk to him the way I would talk to another human being. Therefore, God already knows everything about me before I could even think of it or say it. Mm-hmm. So this is my communion with God, but you commune with God in a different way, and your perception of God is different. But maybe we can find some common ground in that mm-hmm. we both revere something greater than ourselves, and we now have to turn our attention to our fellow man. Of course. Um, when uh, when we try to come to an understanding of each other's point of view, uh, at least on this call, um, we're going to run into some big problems, and it's called the rest of the freaking people on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and... Uh, and remember, uh, in the, in Bob's opening, he made some very, I believe, correct statements that your internal reality, some people call it belief, whatever, imagination, what that is real. And when that wall of people out there collectively thinks a certain way by design, man, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't penetrate it because sure. it is real, right? Yeah, it's very difficult. I, I, I wanted to share on this call some of my experiences and some of the techniques that I use to try to. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to join these people. I don't, I don't agree with these people, but I do. They're my fellow man, and I want to c- communicate with them effectively. Uh, real, real quick, too, uh, before you, you. Um, Give your point of view because I, I think I've, I've we've talked about it before, but others may not know. But when you say you look around and and everything is and and God is everywhere, omnipresent, and it just it just is like that makes sense to me. It just is. But if you look around where you're sitting right now, maybe in the chair you're sitting in, that wasn't. You know what I mean? Something happened, and then now it is, and so. If we look around, everything we see before wasn't. It was except for nature. Let's say trees, animals, but every every all this commercial world we see it wasn't. And so, what I'm trying to get at is, I lost my thought. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I I think what you're saying, Aaron, is is like everything's been created, one way or another. Um, but with with some things, you know, like the universe, um, we can't comprehend some some creations. Um, we creations of a of a, a baby, you know, we can comprehend to a degree uh, how that works. 
But, uh, you know, and, and if a man or a woman makes a chair or builds a house, everything has, everything's been created some way. It just doesn't yeah. happen to be there, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so uh, guest, um, if I can say, guest uh, five had an interesting uh, little statement here I was just going to comment to. Uh, belief is to take faith on that which has no proof. Faith is to believe without evidence. That that is, uh, I I like that because that's what faith is. Um, you know, when you have faith of something, that, that there's not necessarily evidence, and mm-hmm. that's the same as um, you know, like looking out at the universe. Uh, I love watching these shows on television that, um, which you don't know what you can believe or not, even even these shows on on the universe how how beautiful the the universe is and and how it's uh, so fantastically um created i'll say because i i it, it just doesn't make sense to me that that something is just there it, that it wasn't created by something or someone or you know um same as as, as what we're used to here on on the earth um you know, everything has been created um, somehow, some way. Yeah, just that's the point of view for sure. Uh, and it, and uh, to believe that something just appears is is like um, well, not not just appears <laughs> out of nowhere, but when yeah. when man reshapes things, when when if you saw a fast forward of a a baby being born and then dying and then giving birth to another and then you see the plants, if you were fast forward. You would see these things regenerating and reforming and reshaping. You would see if you could speed up. You've seen this probably. Yeah. Bridges being built and buildings and and chairs, you know, and then going back to sawdust and then being built back up again. So if you were to fast forward yourself through nature, you would just see this constant churning. Now, it doesn't mean that things pop out of nowhere. It just means there's a constant churning of what already is. This is kind of how I see it. I'm I'm just telling you what I see. I look around and this is just what I see. I I remember what I was going to say, and it went back to, if we're kind of going to speak hypothetically, but but, uh, possibly relevantly, um, if if Bob, if you and I were the only, I'll say man, only men on earth, we would look around and none of this stuff would be here. There'd be no chairs, no gas stations, no water companies, no kings, it it would be nothing. And you and I would have to create something to to survive and also to let's say make our life easier and stuff like that and so if it's just you and i of course we would share because without you i i probably wouldn't survive it's kind of a given um but when you start adding three people ten people a hundred people and you know i'm I'm sure you've thought about this it kind of gets it gets shady uh, and, and also being human with, with and, and being conscious, people think differently about your chair or my chair or your bike, and well, that's my bike, and you know we, we they think differently. So, I guess what I'm saying is, I also think that you and I and everyone on this call has something they love to do. For example, I love shoveling crap out of the ditch. Right. I mean, I would do it for almost free. I love that. You know what I mean? They have something that they love doing. Some people just love, I don't know, 
any job in the world. And so if everyone did what they love without the need for excessive, I'll say payment, even though it's not the right word, excessive. Um, um, well, what, what we isn't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not admiration, but uh, approval. We, we seek approval of our peer pressure, right? It's seeking approval of our, of, of our fellow human beings, right? Well, do we really? I mean, maybe from close family members because we, but like uh, you, you're not seeking approval from me, right? Um, I mean, I, I think, I think we are trying to be courteous and respectful and we actually want to help each other. I don't think you're trying to make your life worse or my life worse. I think you're trying to make your life better and my life better. And we're actually taking a road of respect and, and cooperation and, that's true. I, I I think this is a form of seeking the approval of your fellow man because if we're ostracized and banished to the desert, how are you going to survive by yourself? We intuitively know that we really want to get along with our fellow human beings, even if we disagree vehemently with what they're doing. We still say, yeah, but I still have to be with these people. You know, I I want their approval. I, yeah. I, I get your point now. I'm using that word exactly. It was I was thinking limitedly on that. Like, like I washed my car. Are you happy? You know, <laughs> uh, no, that kind I, of removal. But I, I see you're going much deeper, of course. Right. So, um, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and listen, and you can give your point of view to folks. I guess who haven't heard what you're. Uh, come from is, and let's all chat about it, I guess. Well, okay, go ahead. Wait. Was Tony, you going to say something? Yeah. No, I just said, okay, yeah, great. Oh. No, go ahead, Bob. Well, I, I kind of broke this down. I've, I've been going through these things for many years now, and I've kind of broke this down into like five categories. And let me just tell you the the headings for each of these five categories, and then maybe we can discuss it. And I'll share with you how I'm desperately trying to interact with my fellow human beings, even though I disagree with their entire philosophy of how they're living their lives. The first, the first category is uh, self-identification. The second one is discrimination. The third one pertains to cleaning up our language. The, the fourth one is to be an example for people. And the fifth one is agreements. The sixth one is, is uh, freedom. And uh, let me start with number six, and, and then I want to go right to the, the most important thing that we do, and that's self-identification every single day. Freedom, when when people say, I want to be free, and then people ask me, what do you want to be free from? You can't be free from the earth. You can't be free from the air. You, what freedom do you want? You're free to go anywhere you want. What kind of freedom do you want? And I've 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 had that asked to me, and I've heard people discuss this. When people say, I want to be free, well, dude, you're you're free. Do whatever you want. You are free, right? But what is it? People keep talking about freedom. I want my freedom. And I've narrowed that down, and I'm going to give you my definition of freedom. This is what I want to be free from. I want to be free from the duties, responsibilities, and obligations of the fictional character that's been ascribed to me by society. That's what I want freedom from. 
I'm not a taxpayer, and I want to be free from all of the restraints and restrictions that apply to a taxpayer. I'm not a debtor. I'm not a borrower. I'm not a homeowner. I'm not a cab driver. I'm not a faculty member or a secretary or any of these other thousands of fictional characters. I'm a man. You're you're a woman. He's a man. He's a woman. She's a woman. We're, we're not fictional characters. What happens is as soon as we put these the facade of this character on now it's like you've seen that movie man in the iron mask it's like putting on this iron mask and now i have to do what that character is required to do so before i had freedom to just be me now i'm saying well i'm a borrower i signed a contract i'm the i'm the debtor i'm the tenant i'm the resident and now any one of these characters has a script written out for that character, and now you're no longer free. You're relegated to do what the script tells that character to do. Kurt Collenbach has talked a lot about this, and he's right on the money when he talks about this. And I've realized that this is the, when I say freedom, when I say I want to be free, and I feel trapped, it's because we have these, these social personas ascribed to us and then people voluntarily say, well, yeah, that's what I am. I'm the secretary. So self-identity is number one on the list. Self-identity, this has to be corrected. When people, and here's, here's the problem that I have. We, we've all discussed this in these groups for down through the years, and I know you've discussed this to death. But as soon as these people, people say, what is your name, right? They're trying, to, they're trying to snag you. But you've already been snagged before that. Because this guy is standing there pretending to be something that he's not. He's playing the role. He's adopting a social persona. He's putting on the mask of a police officer or a bailiff or, or a tax attorney or whatever, landlord. doesn't matter. He's pretending to be something that is not. Now, what you call, what we call somebody who pretends to be something that they're not, is we call them an impersonator or a fraud. We say that's fraudulent misrepresentation. You're misrepresenting yourself to me. You're pretending to be something that you're not. I can't let this go anymore. Every time people call me up, and now I just want to share with you, I'm only on number one here, but I want to share with you some of my experiences. When people call me up on the phone and they say, I'm a contractor, are you the homeowner? Or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a general, con I'm a sales representative. And I say, really? So you're identifying yourself to me as a sales representative. Now, why would I want to carry on a conversation with somebody who's in character, someone who's adopted a false persona, who's trying to convince me that there's something that they're not? Why would I want to have a serious conversation with somebody who's putting on an act and pretending to be something that they're not? So I ask people, are you really a general contractor in real life? And they say, yes, I am. I've had many, many, many of these conversations over the years, and I've had some interesting results. The thing is, I can't let this go anymore. If you're going to pretend to be something that you're not, why would I trust you? Why would I trust anyone who's committing fraud? So I, I, the, the first two things I ask people is, not in these words because I try to be nice, what, first of all, why are you committing fraud? Because that's what you're doing. You're, it's called fraudulent misrepresentation. That's the legal term for it. And secondly, why are you practicing openly practicing discrimination? These are two things that you can ask anybody in society. I don't like the way society is run, and because society is based on these two premises. Number one, a false identity. You can't operate 
in society without adopting a false uh, persona. And this is what people, this is why we've, we're turned around backwards. Instead of sharing and treating people nicely, we're now kicking people out of their homes and sending them away from, from restaurants and, and kicking them out of hotels and not letting people come in and spend the night and refusing to let them go into houses. We're doing exactly the opposite of sharing and being warm and loving to our fellow human beings. It's because we don't see them as men and women anymore. We see them as litigants or constituents or citizens or civilians or renters or homeowners. We don't even know how to refer to our fellow men and women as men and women anymore. We only notice how to say, oh, that's a waitress over there. Hey, waitress, come over here. You know what? That waitress is expendable. She can be swapped out for another waitress. All waitresses are the same. That's because waitresses are fictional characters. What you're looking at is a unique human being, a woman that has feelings and she needs to be recognized as a woman. And she needs to be talked to as a woman and not as a waitress. She's not a waitress. That's a false persona. But society dictates that we all adopt these false personas and interact with each other as non-humans. It dehumanizes us when we refer to someone as a lawyer or a cop or a judge or a bailiff or a borrower or a debtor or a homeowner. These are all false personas, and I'm not going for it anymore. Now I'm going to get down to the other thing I have heading here is cleaning up our language. But number one is people adopt a false persona, and I'm not going for I ask people, no, why are you telling me that you're something that you're not? And the second thing is, why are you using money as a tool to discriminate against people? What's the difference between racial discrimination, gender discrimination, political discrimination, or monetary discrimination? If people walk into a restaurant or a place where they're serving food and they say, are you Jewish? And I go, yeah, I'm Jewish. And they go, okay, well, then you get out. But all you non-Jews can go ahead and eat. That's what we call discrimination. If a black man walks into the whites-only cafe and they say, well, the black man, you have to go out. We don't serve to you. But we serve food all day long to white people. We all know that as discrimination. If two families come in to a, a place to eat and they sit down and say, can I have food for my family? They say, sure, we serve food to people all day. That's what we're here to do is to help people and serve food to people. And then another family sits down and says, we'd like the same food, but we don't have any money. They'll say, well, you've you got to get out. We don't serve your kind in here. That's discrimination. It's called monetary discrimination. And society runs on monetary discrimination. That's why there are hungry and homeless people. That's why people say, I can't figure out how come there's homeless people walking around. Well, there's all these empty houses. How come they can't go in there? It's because they're not allowed to go in there. They're prohibited by law. The law prohibits us from sharing with our fellow man. And this is the problem I have with society. It's got us turned around backwards. Instead of sharing with our fellow man, instead of it being the law to share with people and making it against the law to not share with people, we've got it asked backwards. Now it's against the law to share. Walk down to any Home Depot or, or Lowe's. Walk into any restaurant and say, I'd, I'd, I'd like some food. Can you share with me? We've got can make, all this. Huh? Oh, can I make a comment? Because uh, you, yeah. you're giving a lot of great uh, insight in front of you, but I think some people want to we'll do a little step-by-step. Step. But two questions. The first one will be, I understand the concept of sharing and, and living t- together and harmoniously, and ev- everyone is, Let's say there are no 
poor or hungry, and we all share everything. But does that even include, for example, my wife or even your children? Are they my children? When it comes to real personal things like that, how, how do, what do you well, think Well, let me give that? you an example. Let's say you have, well, first of all, before I give you an example, let me just say about when, when people show up. Um, um, okay, well, let me just give you an example. Okay. Say you have, well, no, sorry, I'm going to go back to that. The worst thing that people can think of is, the reason I'm going to demand money from you is because I work and I make money. And the only way, and, I'll, and, and, and we're deathly afraid of accidentally giving away food or material to someone who's lazy. Get out and get a job, you lazy bum. Get off your ass and help out. Do something in society. Go out and get some of those coupons, that fiat money. And when you bring it back to me, then I'll know that you work for that money. I, I, we don't want to give anything away to lazy people. That's the biggest fear people have, that they might accidentally give away something to someone who's lazy. Now, let's think about this for a minute. What do we train our kids to do? Let's say you have three kids or four kids, and you put things in their bedroom, and you say, here's what I want you to do. I want you kids to learn how to share, and you give them this many coats and this many shoes and this many toys and dolls, and you say, I want you to learn to share. Now, if one of, the, one of them says, I want all of it, and the other one says, no, I want all of it. Now, what we do is we try to teach them to share. We don't tell this guy, well, you know what? If you're strong enough to bully your brothers and sisters, and you can draw a perimeter around that, here's a shotgun and a knife. You make sure you, you, you protect your property rights. And you kids, if you wander into his property there, you have to pay him tribute for everything in there. We don't teach our kids that. We teach them to share. If, you bring, if the mom and dad bring home food... If little Sally's sitting on the couch and she's just lazy, she won't do anything, and the two boys are out there, they're fighting. They're not even being courteous or respectful. They're fighting, right? And the little girl's being lazy. Do the mom and dad bring home the food and say, well, you know what? You're lazy, and you guys are fighting, so we're just going to eat all the food right in front of you. We're not going to share it with you because we, we, don't want, we don't give food to lazy people or people who fight. No, you give them the food and you feed them, and you teach them to grow up to be just like you. We share. No matter what your attitude is, we share. And we're going to continue to encourage you to be respectful and share because we want you to grow up like us. Now, if the mom and dad came home and said, you know what, you, we got food for everyone, and they come up and say, oh, we want some food. And you say, well, do you have any money to pay for it? If you don't have any money, you're going to go to bed hungry because we don't give away food to anybody. We sell well, don't it. We don't we we're taught to share things that are let's say given to us like if my mom buys me a big bag of candy i'm supposed to share it with everyone in the neighborhood but when it comes to and i'll use this word personal take it you know anyone can take it how they want it but when personal items such as and i'll go very drastically here my wife am i to share her or is <laughs> And, and I'm not correlating this with property, but is that not personal to me and that I have the duty to protect and provide for her or provide for my children? Or, you know, where does that line of sharing begin and where does it become off limits? Yeah, that's what I want to talk about, too, is when do we take things too far? We, we take, One glass of water is helpful, 
But if you drown somebody in water, you've taken what was beneficial and you've turned it into something that's detrimental. There's a line that we cross when we say, I'd like to reciprocate with you. You gave me something. Now I'd like to give you something. And somebody says, well, no, I gave you something. Now you owe me. You have to pay. Sign this contract. Well, now you've taken something beneficial as reciprocation and you've taken it too far. Now it becomes a commercial debt obligation. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to know where is this line when things go too far, something that becomes beneficial. I'm, call me a baker, right, because that's a label you could put on me. Well, it's beneficial because you say, well, I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm going to go see someone. Who are you going to go see? Well, if I say a baker, okay, now I know. That's beneficial to label him. But if all of a sudden, well, now that you're a baker, you have to pay taxes, and you owe this, and you have to pay property tax, and you're subject to this, and you have to show up at 9 o'clock, and you have to – well, now something that started out as beneficial has now become a chain around his neck and is now detrimental. We need to understand when do things that started out as beneficial go too far and become detrimental. So you're using the, excuse, you're using the example of uh, what happens when I have a bag of candy or we have something, should I share it with the whole neighborhood? Well, it makes sense that every, every creature on the, on the planet has a little like home base a bird has a nest the bird doesn't want you going in and invading his nest he's going to protect it because he's got little young in there it's not his property or anything but he's going to defend it every animal does this human beings have what we call houses and this is our little area and we protect it because we've got children there and we want to make sure that they're protected so there's nothing unnatural about this This is very natural but what we want to do is follow the three the three don't harm people don't deceive them and don't take from them things that they value without their permission. Show respect and cooperation, share and reciprocate. Now these should be fundamental. This handles everything in life. Why would anyone want to break into your house and take things out of your house when there's millions of, any TV or carpeting or chairs that you have, there's millions of them all over the planet. Why would anyone anyone have the desire to go into your personal space and take anything from yours. There's millions more. There's millions of copies of whatever you have in your house. In other words, if people were openly sharing with each other at Costco and Best Buy and Walmart and and restaurants, if we were openly sharing things, number one, poverty would disappear overnight. Number two, homelessness would disappear overnight. Number three, theft would disappear overnight. What if nobody is telling those and you're 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 talking about let's say corporations generally the the idea of a corporation or the idea of a a, a social persona. Um, what if nobody is directing those entities who are using all the resources of our land? By our, I don't mean I own it, but we're using it right now. I, I live here. It's my home base. Um, it's my nest. What if nobody's directing those entities to share, but they're they're always being directed to profit, right, and keep and hoard, and but, but nobody's telling them to share. Yeah, this is why it's discouraging because society is is set up. It's we're guaranteed never ever to have a sharing society because the law dictates profits are everything. At discriminate against people using money to discriminate against those that don't have money and never give away anything for free. That's the law. So now we're guaranteed that we're never going to find a way 
to have an openly sharing community. It's guaranteed because it's against the law to share. This is why I don't like society. Discrimination mm -hmm. is practiced openly, and people don't call it discrimination. They call it good business. But what if you could direct that? You'd step outside of the system, but you're still a part of it. You're just a higher part. You know, you're not affected by it. You're just kind of standing there watching it go around. It's very hard to save everyone in the world, but you could do your best in the time that you're here if you could direct this whirlwind, I guess, as some people say. If I could direct it, what would I do? Yeah, what if you could? Would that change your perception of society? Because would, society would still exist, but you would just be the one well, there would be, uh Yeah, there would be groups of men and women, um, but when people start talking about corporations or society or government, they talk about these entities as if they have a life of their own. They, they, they don't. We're talking about abstract ideas when we talk about society well, or government. This is where I so, have to argue to you about when you said your your internal reality, if, if the masses believe this, it is real. It has life because they feed it. They You see them every day taking on social personas and, and being involved in the system, per perpetuating it, feeding it, cycling it, um, you, you know, teaching it. And so doesn't it become real kind of at that point? Well, it, it becomes as real as... Um if someone believes that uh, a demon is standing next to them, that's their internal perception, and it's real to them individually. It's real in their mental state. But if, if there are things that are just not real and there never never will be real, I don't care how many times people tell me it co things cost money, nothing costs money. I don't care how many times people say they have rights, you don't have rights. It doesn't... I don't care how many times if a man puts on a Superman costume and says, I'm Superman because I'm wearing this costume, or I'm a policeman because I'm wearing this costume. It never makes it true. I don't care how many times people say it and live it. You're you're contending that if enough people believe it, it becomes true at some point. It never becomes true. Just even I don't care if, if there's a if there's a Catholic or Pentecostal or Scientology conference and there's thousands of these people and they all agree that it's true and real. It doesn't make it true and real. But doesn't that kind of go against or conflict with the statement that there's an internal reality and external and they're both real? Well, the internal reality is your thoughts and imaginations. It's You can go wild. I can imagine a flying pink elephant right now, but that doesn't make it real in the external physical world. The external world, the physical world, is a one reality. The world inside my mind is a different reality. So I can have all kinds of weird things going on in my mind. That doesn't mean that it's real in the external reality. So yes, things can be very real to you in your inner reality, but is not the, in the outer reality. Is the external reality not created by your internal reality and mine and Sonia's and everyone on this call and all the seven, uh, seven billion other people well, out here? How do you how do you build a chair or a motorcycle or a refrigerator or how do you do that? You take your physical hand, right, physically, and you start pushing things around in the external world, right? That's how you start. You're not really creating anything. You're just pushing things around and manipulating things in the external reality. Did you ever create anything out of nothing and say, poof, there it is? 
No, well, yeah. what you do is you reach out your hand and you push things around, right? And this so is how we, quote, create it. But we're not really creating it. We're just rearranging the things around us. And we're very clever at it. Human beings yeah, are, are really first, adept at doing that. At first internal, I had a picture of a chair that I wanted in my mind. It was not real. I looked around me at the external world and I said, wow, there's a tree that I could use. Yeah, and then start moving my hand and using my external energy to create what was not real two seconds ago in my mind. But now it is real until it's... Yeah, I don't mind using the word create, although all you're doing is just shaping and molding something. Sure, just exactly. shaping and molding things. Creation seems to have the connotation where you're magically poofing it into existence out of nothing. I don't, I don't believe anybody creates anything. When we say we create things in our mind, we're just moving these thoughts around in our mind. How do you know where your thoughts come from? Did you create yourself or your thoughts? I'd like to disagree with you. The, uh, so, for example, uh, when I have carrots growing in my garden, if I keep the carrots for the second year, I can get carrot seeds off the top. Then if I harvest the carrot seeds, the year after I can plant other carrots. I'm either, by my action, by my energy, by my money, I'm creating carrots so I can sell to people. And then, you know, like the form of money is just a form of energy. Whether it's paper money, gold, carrots, wheat, uh, yeah, honey, or, just, or just wax, you're describing a continuum. You're not describing the creation of anything. Well, obviously. Like, if I wouldn't harvest my honey from my bees, there would be less honey on this planet. By me managing my bees, by me managing my chickens, by me managing my roosters, I have rooster, I have chicken meat, I have eggs, I have honey. Like, it would be, you'd have to be mentally retarded to think that there's no money in the world. No, like even in if, even in North Korea, let's say there's no money in North Korea, but they're all slaves. By their by their action, when they harvest and they do this, they do that. That's money. They're when they move, they create something. That's money. They're 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 putting in their energy, so then there's a there's a value to that. Like if there's well, no there's, money, then all you'd have to do is just sit there like well, a, there's, uh, plugged there's into a the badger. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between natural value and monetary value. How much is your son worth to you? How much how much money? How many digits? How many numbers? Are you what a price well, tag you're talking, you put a price tag? There's a natural value and there's a monetary value. Those are two okay. different things. I think you're confusing currency. Currency is what banks you money because you, you, you kept saying money, but money is is uh wheat, sugar, uh gold, it's uh, it's actually paper money and stuff like that. But Currency is is the the digits you talk about be, between banks, right? So you're you're saying that everything that you see around you is money? Yeah, it's a form of exchange. For example, like your currency might devalue, or there might be an inflation or devaluation in currency, but money does not devalue. When when you have two things of money the same exchange happens. Like you need so many of this to make, to, to exchange with so many of this. Not well, money. Currency, isn't that, isn't that you might well, need a million currencies one day to buy that. Next next day you might need a thousand or the next day you might need a billion. That's, that's the digits you're talking about. That's the currency. But the money is the same. 
for example, on a historical base, there's 15 times more silver than gold. So on a monetary, normally silver is always one fifteenth the value of gold. So you need 15 ounces of silver to get one ounce of gold. That's because on the planet Earth, that's how it's divided. Now, when you buy a quarter section of land, depending what land you are, 50 years ago, you needed 110 ounces of gold to buy that 160 acres of land. And today, the value, the currency of gold is different, but you still need the same amount of gold to buy that same amount, 160 acres of land. If it changes, it's because you've improved the land, like you've taken off trees, you made it more... Uh, you know, you can grow more wheat out of this. You you cleaned it up. You 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 brought in more water. You took off water or whatever. Then you might need a bit more gold in the future to buy that same amount of land because there's improvement on the land. But it's actually the money that the money is just a form of exchange. It's not the currency. So, so what you're talking about is barter, correct? Well, the thing is, let's say I have. You're talking I'm, about exchange, I'm exchanging with a with a Chinese, right? So right? It's, it's and he has it. rice, and I have wheat, but I don't need any rice, and he doesn't need any wheat because he has rice and wheat. But we still want to exchange. Well, then you know he might have U.S. dollars that we exchange with, so then I can go buy whatever with the U.S. dollars. But it's just a form of of accounting at that time. But the, your your currency will inflate or deflate depending on what the government does, but the money is the same. Like you need so many pigs or so many chickens to exchange to a pig, and that's been the same for thousands of years. I, I think I think we're getting to the heart of the matter here. There's, there, we have two choices on this planet. We can either restrict and deny access to things and fight, or we can respect and cooperate and share. Now, bartering. Is a is is the beginning now? I'm um, I'm just trying to let's start at the beginning. Yeah, but bartering when, when is the same does, thing as money. When when does when does when we when you tell someone you can't pick those those apples because those are my apples, I'm restricting your access to those. Who said that they were your access? You say, well, if you give me something in exchange for my apples, I'll barter with you. But I'm going to restrict your access to my a- apples until you barter and give me something in exchange. Now, this seems to me this is the beginning of the road to uh, fighting and property ownership and, and, and war, going to war with people. Because why would you want to restrict someone's access to the, that apple tree? Who says it's your apple tree? Who says you because own that apple tree? Because if you don't restrict access to that property, you'll have 100 people. Next thing you know, you won't have an apple tree. You'll have uh, a chair made out of apple wood. And you'll never, you'll never produce uh, apples again. So the question becomes, what do we do with people that don't want to? Um, in other words, if you value that apple tree, and you say that's in my possession, it's here in my little homestead area here, and and people respect me, and they don't, and then, and then someone comes into your space. You know, we call it your space when you hold out your arm, and people come closer to you than arm's length. We say, well, you're invading my. You're getting a little too close for comfort. And we have a living area called a house or whatever, and a yard. And so if you have an apple tree in your living area and you say, I'm, I'm comfortable with this living space, and I'm going to say this apple tree is my apple tree because it's in my – and I'm going to deny people access to this. Well, now we're, now we're talking about property 
and denial of access. Now, where does where does love and sharing and respect and cooperation and also don't take things from people that are that they have in their possession that they value. If a little boy has a ball in his possession and he values that ball and you take it away from him without his permission, he's going to resent you. He's going to cry. You've upset him and everybody knows they don't want to have anything that they have in their possession taken from them without their, their permission. This violates a fundamental human instinct. So you're saying oh, you don't want anyone to take your apples from you. But who says that they're your apples? Everything outside of your body is common to the rest of the universe. So when when does something that's beneficial, like setting up our own little private area, it's beneficial. When does it be, we take it too far and it becomes detrimental? And now we start killing people because they came near my apple tree and I told them you're not allowed to trespass on my property. You can't have any of those apples. Who said they were your apples in the first place? When did something that's... What I'm trying to get at is when did we cross this line from being caring and loving and sharing on this planet? And what do you do with someone who, when you say, stay away from my house and they come and invade your house anyway? How do we treat these people? How do you treat children? When you treat lazy? them as trespassers. And you give them an opportunity to, to leave, and if they don't leave, then, then you treat them as trespassers. Well, they're just if they trespass on your property... They're just men and women, and you have to ask, they're, that are doing things. We, we, I'd, like to, I'd like to take one second and, and clear up something else that, that bothers me about conversations with people. And that's that we not only have this propensity of identifying ourselves as borrowers and debtors and taxpayers and homeowners and renters. These are social personas, absolutely false social personas. People fill out contracts, I mean applications, and they have to demonstrate that they're qualified to play that particular role in society. And anytime they want to stop playing that role, they can say, I quit and I'll play another role in society. When people say, no, I am a homeowner, that's what I am in real life, I have a problem with that and I talk to people. But another problem we have is when people do things, we tend to take the verb and turn it into a noun. If, you, if, I, if a, man, a man does many different things, I can drink water, I can fold a newspaper, I can hit a ball, I can climb a mountain. Those are things that I do. But I don't become a ball hitter or a singer or a mountain climber or a bike rider or a bug squasher. I, that's not what I am. I don't, but people have this propensity to say, this is what you are. I wouldn't introduce somebody at a party and say, I'd like you to meet my friend. He's a ball hitter. Or he, this guy's right. a door slammer. So That's I'm not man, what we are. These are things oh, that I, we do. And, and I'm what a happens man is property. We, so we I'm start property labeling owner. people. Huh? I'm a man with property. So I'm a property owner. Is that Why what you're would you, what, did you, did you When did you turn into this, this character called a property owner? You're still just a man. Well, I'm a man, and my body is my property. So you're saying I'm a man with a body? I, that's my pro I'm a property owner of my body, right? Well, you're in, you're in control of your body, and you're in Correct. possession of your body, right? And Correct. you'll always be in control of your body and in possession of your body. But I'm a man with property. I have an arm, I have fingers, and, and you're saying you're like a North Korean type of communist, and you're saying, well, we should share. So you come to me and you say, I want your left finger, or I want your left arm, and I'm supposed to share with you? Because well, wait a minute. You, wait a minute. So if, you, you? if you use the word property to, to describe your possession of your mind and your body, if you use the word property, then you say now something, out, now something outside of my body, 
something external to me is also my property in the same way that my body is my property. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. And 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 how? Why, why is that confusing to you? Well, so because, my left arm because, is because my this is this is another thing, an example of when does something that started out innocent and beneficial cross the line into taking it too far and it becomes detrimental. If you're going to say that things external to you are just as much your property as your body is, well then, who owns the sun and the moon? Who owns the rain? Who owns the sand? Who owns the forest? Who owns the sky? I did the, not the create the sun or the moon. Hence, it's not my property. And show, show me something outside of you or inside of you that you created yourself. When I bore my uh, my wife uh, three years ago, and I produced a uh, a property that's now two years old. That's my property, and that's external to me. Without my one cell and without my wife's cell, that property would not exist. You know, you're it's talking about property a, me. a child. It's not property to you. So you're well, talking about a, a, property. a child. It's a two-year-old property. And your child is your property. Well, obviously. Is it is it it's, your property? Do you have vested interest in it? Yeah, it's not it's no it's not obvious to me. I I I disagree with you, but I want to understand. Now another thing why. too is I sold a lot of products that I produced, and I and I got currency out of it. And I and two years ago I bought a John Deere tractor, a fifty-five horse John Deere tractor, and I bought it straight out. So that John Deere tractor is now my property. Well, it, you, you it's actually. Two years old also. I bought it in 2013. Well, now, officially now it's three years old. But anyhow, yesterday was two years old. It, it's my property. I, I use it. It's proper to me. Nobody else can tell me what to do with my John Deere tractor. So this, this is the – you're describing the commercial system of payment and property. Well, you, I can create something out of thin air by boring – my wife, my my child, my my property was born, and was birthed nine months later, and it, it was my property at when it was born. And the same way that the John Deere tractor is my property, I don't and see any making, difference. And you're making a legal. And that John Deere tractor claim. was built in India, right? And it was shipped to Canada, and I bought it. So is it the person who built it in India? Those. Indians in India who built it that they, they have vested interest in it. They got okay. they got paid for their energy. All right. So you're describing the commercial. You're saying you're making a legal claim of ownership on the tractor and your child. No, I didn't register it or nothing. No, there's no legal. It's not. There's no legal name to the tractor. I went to the tractor dealership, the John Deere dealership, and I paid it all right. And I didn't. I I don't have to register it. I didn't do nothing. There's no legal thing on it. So, so it's not, not a legal tractor. A legal... It's a real physical tractor. It's green. It has four tires. It's a four-wheel drive, 55 horse. Right, but you're making a cl- you're claiming that to be your property. Uh, no, I don't claim it to be because there's no claim anywhere saying it's my property. It's it's within it's upon my property, my 160 acres. It's within my yard, and there's no other man on this planet that has that has vested interest in that John Deere tractor. There's no you... debt on it. Nothing. I own it outright. You own it, so is it your property? I own it. Not? It's mine. It's you're claiming it's your property. You're claiming that your yard is your property. You're claiming that your house is your property. You're claiming that your child is your property. Are you claiming that the tractor is your property? Yeah, it's all my property. 
okay, well, this this is you're describing the legal and commercial system. So this makes me takes me back to why are, what are we trying to accomplish on this phone call? Why why are people complaining about taxes and fines and fees and costs and court costs and what are we really trying to accomplish? You were saying you wanted to share everything. You just want to share everything, right? Well, I don't live on that communistic social attitude of sharing everything. So sharing because is then, 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 Bob, in California, I want your left nut because I heard that left nuts from Californians are good to eat if they're roasted over, you know, whatever. It, it wouldn't make sense. You wouldn't say, well, here's my left nut. Well, if you... If you take things from people that they value, they're going to hate you and resent you. So you don't want. Well, to, that's your argument. You know, it, it, Therefore, you have property. It's so pro- your, your left intention. So you're you're disagreeing with me. You're saying that you can take things from people that they value and they'll like no, you for it. I'm trying to argue with you to say your argument is, is invalid. You have to have. You can't just share everything. You, you can't. You can't just so. So you're saying that it so sharing on this planet just really doesn't work out. I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. I I, I want to know what is it we're where are we going with this? So you're I saying that sharing just isn't going to work out ever. I think yeah I think you're absolutely right. No I'm I, asking you is I, that I what you're saying? Mister, so right like you should move to North Korea or something like. I should exactly. move to North Korea. Well because there it's. There's no such thing as property. You don't own property. You share everything, right? Well, uh, I'm, I'm not convinced. If, if, if people in North Korea were just sharing everything and showing respect and weren't adopting social personas and weren't weren't charging things, I would I would move to if they were doing that. I don't call that communism. I call that a a wonderful way of life. I would move there tomorrow. But I don't believe for one second that that's what people are doing there. Well, what do you think they're doing in North Korea? Do you think they have they have a right to property? I think the, I think the people in that geographical area are doing the same thing as people all around us. They're they're doing this thing where they say I'd rather claim ownership and fight with people. And uh, I I I would rather I would rather see people develop a a more caring. In other words, welcome to this planet. We want you to feel welcome and secure. We're not going to kick you out of the house. We're not going to turn off your water. We want you to feel welcome on this planet. This is your planet. It's my planet. Welcome home. You you deserve to be. I don't like it when people make me feel like I'm trespassing no matter where I go. I'm on private property, company property, state property, city property, county property, corporate property. Everywhere I go, people are saying, get off my property and you're not allowed to have this. And give me money or you're not. This This makes me feel unwelcome on the planet that, I should feel welcome on. I, this is my planet, just like everyone's planet. This is this is for us. It's, we should be welcoming people. Have you ever planet. homestead? Have like it's like I it, I presume you have no property. The way you're speaking. I don't I don't believe in property. I don't. When I look when you look at the mountains, so, do you, you see so you, do you just see like, county property or do you see nature? What do you see when you look at mountains? Do you see property? So have you ever homestead? Have you ever built your own home? Have you ever built your own shelter? Like like under what do you? What shelter do you live under? I live in a in a in a building that people refer to as a condo. A condo? But do you, do you pay condo fees and stuff? I don't I don't believe in money, but what I do believe in is people pass around these pieces of paper that are called fiat paper. And right. I they're but, worthless. But you pass around I believe they're worthless. Paper. 
And when you ask me, right. am I paying for things, how do you pay for anything in the universe? Right. How can so you you're, pay you have, for apples you or oranges or, or, or anything? you just renting it? Huh? Are you just renting the condo or you, did you actually buy the condo? Well, th this implies this is what we're discussing is why do you see everything so as, as when you get out of your condo and you're paying property. your condo fees and you see a homeless man sleeping beside your condo you tell him yeah come in i have two bedrooms just come and sleep in my, my condo we have there's 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 no reason for someone it, why would i come to your house and say i want one of you the oranges that you have there for your family i wouldn't do that there's a, there's a whole planet full so of oranges in your fridge there's no reason for people to come and food? stay in this house with me when there's pl there's thousands of homes out there that are vacant okay there's plenty in of your fridge is, is, is there food in your fridge like did you did you somehow pass paper and got food in your fridge i acquired it I, by going through this ritual with people of pretending to pay this is what people call it like you people like you say you have to pay for it I don't believe you have to pay for anything. I believe everything okay. is free. And then, and then when you pretend that to acquire this food and you put it in your fridge, when you see someone hungry in the street, you go and just give all your food because you're sharing? You want to share? We, we collect things from nature, don't we? There's, there's common areas out there. There's, there's, there's grapes and lettuce and avocados and potatoes. There's plenty out there. There's plenty of water on this planet. There's no shortage of food or water. Obviously there's not. There's plenty there. There's plenty for us to, to distribute, to collect and distribute. There's just plenty of, of, of people out there with a survival instinct that need water and want to share and provide water. Now, when people pass laws and say it's prohibited to share water, you have to charge them. You're going to restrict access to water, restrict access to communication devices. Well, when's the last time you went, you went to river and got some water with a pail and brought water and gave water to people or whatever? Why like, is it when, necessary to do that when we already have pipes installed that bring the water right into who, our houses? Who installed the pipes? Who? Like these pipes don't pop in from I'll, there. I'll, I, I could tell you, I'll make a good guess. I think men and women did that. I don't think animals did it. I think men and women did it. And the reason they did it is because they were getting some monetary value, so then they could go purchase something else. Well, I think we're getting like, to the heart of the guy, matter. What is your motivation? What is your motivation for doing things? Well, normally you expend energy, and you want energy in return. And this energy could be a grape, it could be money, or it could be currency, it could be whatever, right? And you have but, a natural, you have a natural impulse as a human being, to want to reciprocate with your fellow man, right? I'm going to give you something. I would love it if you gave me something in return, right? That's natural. That's what we do. It's called reciprocation. That's a natural instinct. Now, when do we take something that's beneficial and wholesome and healthy, and when do we take it too far and it becomes detrimental, and you end up kicking people out of their houses and turning off their water and turning families away from food? It, it, when we take this too far, it becomes detrimental. Now, what I want to discuss with you is, why are you? Why do you think the way you do, and why have you come to these conclusions? Do you want to fight with your fellow man, or do you want to live in peace and share and show respect and reciprocate and, and voluntarily do things instead of saying, holding out your hand and saying, I demand payment, pay me. This is why there are homeless people and hungry people and people going without water. It's because people are doing what you're telling me right now. I demand payment, and I'm questioning that. Why do we have to live like that? Why do we have to treat people like that on this planet? I was just uh, looking in the Bible, and um, 
I come across a scripture that said, if a man doesn't work, then he doesn't eat. You know, so there, there are many of them like that that uh, don't want to work and, and you know, uh, expect others, you know, to, to share with them. You know, so I, I believe that, uh, you know, there there's everything in moderation, like most love to share, you know, uh, like the Bible says, there's more happiness in giving than receiving. So it really, it's it's natural for us to feel good to share. But when it comes to a point where, like you say, it's, it's going to do us harm and, um, you know, or our family or our children, you know, we, we wouldn't have our children or our, our husband or our wife uh, do without, you know, because, um, you know, we're supposed to take care of our family. Like if a man cannot take care of his family, he is, he is uh, a not a good um you know, not a good keeper of, of what is his own. So if, if a man works hard to grow a garden and uh, build a home and someone else wants to come in and wants to, to, to have it, and, and, and uh, you know, it's we, somewhere we've got to draw the line where it's going to cause a problem, you know, with, with our own being or our own, our own family. So, you know, there's, you know, there's... Um, you know, a limit of, especially in the system in this world, we can dream that, you know, we're going to change this whole world and turn it into, you know, a paradise where everybody's uh, happy and, and peaceful and sharing and, and there's plenty of food on the earth to eat, which, which there really is. But the problem is we've, we're, we're living in a, in a world where, um, you know, we have to, we either use the barter system where we trade with, uh, you know, um, paper money or, or, or whatever, you know, um, there's just some things that we can't get away from, you know, um, I think like Leo was saying, Bob, that, you know, I'm sure that however you accumulate, you know, we don't know how you accumulate what you accumulate, but you seem to criticize others that accumulate through, uh, what you call, uh, the commercial system, you know, uh, and others might not believe that they're, you know, they're they're working that way and and try to pull out of it as much as they can too. But there's just, it's very difficult to get right out of the system unless you're a mountain man, you know, and uh, live out in, th- in the woods and and hunt and and uh, that that's when you're you're totally out of the system, I believe. But in the meantime, you know. Um, I, I didn't realize that I was coming across as criticizing people. I'm, I really want to understand why people uh, do and think and believe and act mm-hmm. on these beliefs. Um, I want to understand the thought process behind it, and mm-hmm. does it make sense? Is it constructive? Are we are we moving in the right direction? I I uh, I didn't know I was coming across as criticizing anyone. Oh, I I I, I didn't mean it to sound that way either. Um, but but in a way it did to me a little bit because you know another's using uh using what's available you know like uh even like Carl teaches and 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 others know that you know if we want to have a driver's license we can or if we want to work in commerce we can you know being a man we can we can go up and down this ladder and and use anything to our benefit and when it becomes a harm to us um 
you know, that's that's when we have to step up and say, okay, well, I'm not I'm not going to use this part of the system, or um, you know, I'm not going to go this route because it's causing me or my family harm. Uh, whether it be money, gold, silver, uh, barter system, uh, whichever way we want to do it. So, um, you know, there are many ways. There are many ways of, of living on this earth. And yeah, it's, it is nice, nice to share. But uh, in in this world that we live in, it's it's very hard for you know even even both man and woman to 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 make a living basically to make money to support you know their their children you need pretty much um, both in you know you need a, the whole family working to survive in the system as we know because the government is trying to uh take us down totally and completely so um well there are men and women that are very influential i i understand that um, I, I don't refer to the government as an entity that can do anything, but I know that there are men and women that are, are very persuasive and they're good actors. And um, what I've been wrestling with is if you're going to play the role of a tenant and you're going to pay a man playing the role of a landlord, and then he says, I have to pay this guy, and, and the landlord says, you have to pay me. And so you say, okay, well, then I'm going to go out and charge people, and they're going to pay me, and then I'm going to come back and pay you. And this just goes round and round and round. Mm-hmm. I'm asking myself, when and where do we put, can you, can you put a stop to it at any point in time? Can you say, here's the time when it comes IRS tax or get out of the car or get a driver's license or pay this tax? Is there a, is, can you put a stop to it anytime you feel it's necessary? This has gone too far now. I'm now going to put a stop to it. You've, you've taxed. It was beneficial at first. I didn't mind paying a little bit of rent and tax. I didn't mind paying a little bit of this, but... Now it's just gone out of control. Okay, now I'm going to put a stop to it. Like Max Egan says, just say no. Well, when and where do you have a way of saying no to anyone at any point in time? The, the car costs money. Well, I'm not going to pay for the car because it's free. You know, I, it's too much. You 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 started out with a little little fee on the car. Now it's just too much. So now I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm just going to let's just share the car. And what I'm what I'm saying is there's no way to stop that. Once we start this snowball in effect, with money and property and false identification and, and monetary discrimination, I'm asking myself, well, when it spins out of control and gets too much and it turns into a police state and it's overwhelming taxes and people are crying and they're out on the streets, when can you put a stop to the snowball or does it just keep going and going and going and going and nobody knows how to put a stop to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying, Bob, you know, and, and I think... What I'm what I'm seeing at this moment is you're talking, you know, the the commercial, the the, the government, the administration, in comparison to the man and woman, you know, yeah, the the IRS and the and the CRA and the the, the police state, uh, you know, there that that that's different. Like you can't get a fiction to share with you. They're not, you know, if you go to the bank and, and if you want to buy a car or an automobile or something and they don't want to lend you the money, um, you can't just say to them, well, come on, I want you to share. Uh, they're going to say no. Now, uh-huh. if, if I made a loaf of bread and, and you had some apples, I'd say, well, you know, do you want to trade? And you say, well, you know, I want two loaves of bread. And I say, well, I've only got one. Uh, you can say 
you know, all right, we'll trade or we won't. You know, everybody's got the freedom to to choose whether they want to share or whether they don't, or you know, whether it's whether they they believe it's fair or whether it's not. You know, so uh, but as far as the government's concerned, and in, in uh, you know the corporations, uh, we're we're not going to get them to share anything. You know, and and this is why we are having these common law calls. Is we've got to um, learn how to govern them. You know how to learn how to um, to stop them from from uh, you know the our servants taking over us. You know, it's, it's yeah, that's that's too, what I'm talking about. Is yeah. how how do we put a stop to it? When when is it time to put the brakes on and say no? I'm not going to do that now. Yeah, it'll well, stop right here. That's where, what we're, we're trying to do, right? That's what we're trying to do in these shows, and it, and it's one thing at a time. You know, whether it be uh, you know the police or the IRS or. Like you say, even with landlords, you know, like if you uh, if someone made an agreement with you and says, "Well, Bob, uh, can I uh, uh, use your bike?" You know, and what I'll do is I'll uh, at the end of the month I'll I'll buy a, you know or I'll I'll get a, a set of tires for you, and so that's the agreement. So we have to stay in honor with our agreements, you know, just because uh, we feel we can't, you know pay the rent or something like that it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get it for free and say oh well come on share your house with me uh, we made an agreement um you know there's there's a limit to to sharing and you know like you say the same as going into a restaurant saying well my kids are my kids are hungry um you know we like to have some food you make it for us and and, and you know let us eat it'd be different if you said well can i uh I'll, I'll come in and, and uh, work in the kitchen for you for a day, and maybe uh, can I get a meal for my my kids or something? You know, like uh, there's there's the trade system again. It doesn't have to necessarily be with money. Um, it can be you know something different. It doesn't have to be with green pieces of paper. And just because we're dealing with the green pieces of paper doesn't mean that you know we we want to to be enslaved. Um, you can be enslaved by having to work in a kitchen, in a, in a restaurant, in order to give your children, you know, a, a meal. So, um, but this is what the shows are all about: is trying to figure out how to to keep these these servants in line and, and not trying to to control, you know, man. That's what it's all about: what one one step at a time. And if anybody has any particular issues, that's what we try to do is help each other try to figure this out, you know, because this is all new to us. You know, I've never known anything about any law. I've never voted in my life, so I know nothing about politics and don't care to know. But, I mean, in order to in order to um, understand what's happening, we have to understand it's like going to war, you know. And when you're in a war... Um, you need to know your enemy. Well, uh, have you heard of the the really really free market? Have you heard of that no. concept or anything? No. There's there's what's called the free in, in commerce in buying and selling. There's what's called the free market. Then people have uh, more in the mindset that I'm in have created something called the really really free market. In other words, they don't want to they they want to call it the free market, but they don't. It's not about buying and selling. So what they do is they set up, this goes on all over different 
areas. Many many people have done this all over the country, all around the world. And they said it was called a really really free market. And what it's like a it's like a garage sale or a swap meet or whatever. And they're saying oh, yeah. we don't want to be involved in the commercial process. Bring whatever you want, new and used, whatever you have, and people just flock to these like giant swap meets. And it's and and they say you know what just take everything is free. Just take whatever you need. And people contribute to it. They give and they contribute, and it's a, it's a reciprocal thing. And when people are asked, "Did you bring anything today?" and they say, uh, "No, I didn't bring anything," they go, oh, "No, it's no problem. Take whatever you need. You know, and maybe next time you'll bring something." But you know, there's no demand for payment. It's the really free market. We just want to share and reciprocate with people. And they're trying to create a wave of giving and sharing. Now. I don't see that as uh, anything but giving and sharing. That's that's, the beginning and the end of it. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing that I'd like to point out is is I'm trying to clean up my language because if I'm not doing something, why would I say that I'm doing something? Let me give you an example. If if somebody says, can you go over to get that? And I go, oh, that little girl's got it. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to go beat up that little girl. And I go, why would you say you're beating up the – I go, you know, I'm going to take something from her. I I need to get that. I'm going to need to borrow it. If if I'm not driving a motor vehicle, why would I say I'm driving? If I if I'm not if I'm if I'm the the language that we're given to use in school is a commercial language. Mm-hmm. When somebody says I'm driving a motor vehicle to the grocery store to purchase products and and property and commodities, what you're really doing is you're going to a building where people are distributing food. And you're going to get some bananas. It's not property. It's not merchandise. It's not. They're, they're not commodities. They're bananas. That's what they are. Monkeys don't pay for bananas. They take them from nature. Nature provides the bananas for free. If I'm going to go get some bananas and acquire them and bring bananas back for us to eat, and people are distributing bananas, why would I say that I'm purchasing a commodity? Why would I say I'm driving a motor vehicle to purchase a commodity? Every word that comes out of our mouth is commercial terminology. So now now we're describing everything we do in life as a commercial transaction. I'm not in, I'm not doing commercial transactions. I'm living on the earth here. And I'm I got the sky and the sun and the moon and food and I interact with people. But when we talk about it, we start using commercial terminology and this is why it seems like everything we're doing is a commercial transaction. Mhm. Yeah. It's the way we've been taught. So I'm trying to pick out words. Instead of saying, I'm buying that, why not say, well, we're distributing it. We're sharing it. We're using it. Why does everything have to turn into a commercial transaction? If mm-hmm. I'm not buying and selling things, why would I say I'm buying and selling things? Why don't I say we're just trading or we're using or we're reciprocating? Why wouldn't we use natural language instead of commercial terminology? Mm-hmm. Good point. It's a whole new life, isn't it? It's, it's a whole I think a point of view of people who listen or hear, hear you, Bob, is obviously you know <laughs> they come from. But, for example, monkeys and bananas. Uh, nature provides bananas, right? Mm-hmm. But does nature provide the banana to within a mile of your wherever you are? Let's say? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, until so people will come for well, then someone had to go down there and get it and bring it up to you, and then we come back to reciprocation, right? There's well, you, that guy wants value, 
and his value is 89 cents for two bananas because he went all the way down to where bananas grow, fought the monkeys off, and brought you two bananas at your desire. And so you, you, you know that's... Well, let me ask you. I asked you this a little while ago, but what, why, what's your motivation for doing things? Why do you do things? Why do you do anything? What's your motivation? Is it just for uh, selfish reasons, just for yourself? Do you care about other people? Do you want to help other people? Why do you do anything? What I like to do, I do it because it makes me feel good. It's quite selfish, I guess. What about but other people? End, what, about, question, what about your concern for other people? Wait, 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 wait. The end product of what I do also makes someone else happy. But I, I, I don't... I, I, I run heavy equipment, basically. I dig foundations, dig holes, basically move dirt around. And so... I enjoy doing it. I'll sit all day in the dusty, dirt, oily, crappy weather, whatever, because I actually like doing it. There's a process in my mind. I feel good about figuring things out. It makes me feel good. The end product is, ends up to be what someone else actually wants. And so then they feel good. And I, like I said, when I was, uh, I will sh- shovel crap out of the ditch because I like doing it. And, I, and I'll do it for in return for no compensation or very little because it makes me feel good. And so if someone wants to compensate me, however, whatever value that we're, we're, we agree on exchanging, that's, that's an added benefit. And I think you have something that you really enjoy doing. So does Sonia, uh, so does Leo, uh, so does everyone. Um, but bringing all those people together to, to share and, and get what, we exchange each other's energy. Like I could dig you a hole, but what could you do for me? You know what I mean? Trying to get all those people together to, to have a society that, that is cohesive and works well together. Man, I, I don't know how to do it. So what we do is we use that, that paper. You know, so that's when, one when, when you do. When you do something that called labor, do you think that well, I did some labor now somebody owes me something? Do you think that I owe you something if you if you hand me a banana? Do you think do you believe that I owe I'm now obligated to you? If you make uh, the agreement, if you make that agreement, it it's an well, agreement, right? You make that agreement beforehand. It you would just, go back value real real quick, Sonia. Sorry to cut you off, but I'd, I'm going to use the words that that Bob was using earlier because they're very important words. It would go back to value. Yeah. So if, if someone asked me to do something for them, uh, I'm going to weigh in my mind, I'm going to balance how much I value my time and doing what I want to do versus how much they're going to owe me or compensate me or offer me to do something for them. Uh, I, at the same time, if I know that the the man or woman that I'm doing something for is capable of doing something that I need, I'm definitely going to uh, negotiate. Hey, I'll come over, do whatever you want. You, I got this problem over here. Maybe you can fix it at the same time. We, you know, I, I'm open to all that. But when it comes to owing, it would just be based upon how much I value that that day that I'm living at that time. If if I if I value it, like it's my son's birthday or something, and someone really wants me to go do something. I think I have a, um, I don't want to say right. I think I have a, uh, I have a 
I have the ability to say what I will do that work for for someone else or give that energy for in return for something else. Because if I'm not doing it for you, I could be giving all my energy to my son on that day. Well, to maybe you know? this is oversimplifying it, but there's a difference be- between saying thank you and much obliged. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between the two. Are you creating an obligation when you do something for someone? Can somebody tell you thank you? Or do you expect them to say, now I'm obligated to you, now I owe you? Well, in, in the in the uh, idea you're, you, you're talking about, sharing and stuff, you mentioned implied a little bit of obligation, right? And that comes with um, reciprocation. It's just a natural <laughs> instinct that we want to share with each other. We actually want to. That's beneficial. Well, if you take it too far, it becomes detrimental. Sharing. Reciprocation is not necessarily sharing, right? It's it's that feeling of give and take. You, but now I owe you. Or it's that internal feeling, I owe that guy. I might not use that word, but, you know, I need to give back. Well, let, let's examine the difference between natural, spontaneous reciprocation and owing a debt obligation. I did this, now you owe me. Is there a difference between the two? I see a huge difference between the two. Uh, there's, yeah, definitely a huge difference. Okay, so what's wrong with natural reciprocation? Why isn't that workable? We do it all the time. I think most people do. But we don't do it worldwide. We will do it locally with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that, uh, but definitely not, obviously not worldwide. Now, when we start getting the commercial world involved and the the current dogmatic thinking about the commercial world, that's where people start saying, well, oh, I did that work for you. Normal rate is $20 an hour. You owe me $20 an hour. But but that's not, so, I'm, that's not someone that I generally talk to every day or will ever see again in my life. Well, let me, let me ask you something. When people hold their hand out and demand payment, would you rather that they said, it's okay, it's free of charge, you know, pat you on the back, I want you to feel welcome, don't worry about it, just get back to me when you can. Would you rather have people say it's free, or would you rather people say, no, I demand payment, pay me right now? Do you like it when people make demands on you? Well, no. Of course we don't. You mean like the government, eh? the IRS? or Anybody, (laughs) anybody that holds their hand out and said, you you took this food, now you owe me, pay me. Would you rather have them say, it's no problem. Here, take whatever you need. Let's share. Come on, there's plenty of food and water on this planet. Yeah, but that banana didn't arrive at your doorstep on its own. And so if the guy that, that delivers bananas, provides nature provides bananas, he brings them from nature to our doorstep. If he does that for everyone in the world, he's going to die in, in about... What if people just do what they're doing right now? Bring it to a, a food distribution center, like like a Costco... They're hoarding. That's what that's called is hoarding. They're hoarding well, all of these things there, and they lock it up at night. But and during the day, they have a team of people there to make sure that the distribution is done orderly, and they give things out to people that need it. All day long, they're handing out things to people that need it. Now, why would you discriminate and say, well, these people don't have any coupons. They don't get any. What's, what's the point of discriminating against people? But that guy, the, the man that goes down and gets the bananas, that are provided by nature, and he brings them within a mile of your doorstep, is Walmart. You know, he's not bringing it to your house or where you are. 
Please but bring it's bringing it to a, a distribution center, correct? And they're, and they're distributing, and people are distributing yeah. things to their fellow man because we know that we we know that everyone needs to eat and drink water. Well, well here, here's we, the thing. Let's talk about uh, reciprocation. If I brought bananas to your house, you would want to give me something in return, right? What if I just told you thank you? Is well, that is that enough? Well, then the next time you ask for bananas, I might say, thank you. Is that enough? You know? <laughs> I, for, yeah. I mean, you know, what, do you like it when people make demands on you? I guess that's my problem is I don't like these threats. Pay the water bill or else. Pay the property tax or else we're going to kick you out. I don't like people making those demands. I'm, I'm having to ask myself, when did I put myself in a position to where people are just threatening me and giving me ultimatums and, and sending me these warning notices. And if you don't pay this, we're going to take your car away and your house away. And if you don't show up in court, you're going to... And I have to, have to ask myself, I don't like it when people make demands on me. When did, when did I get into those, this position? What if all those demands were not intended for you, but one social persona thinks they're dealing with you, another social persona, who, who they have... Uh, by law, let's say, written law, every right to deal with. So right? this is why I send out remittances. And when it, my goal is, and I've, I've damn near accomplished it, every time a so-called bill comes in under that name, I write remittance at the top, accepted for value, return for value and consideration, and I put Section 3606 of the California Commercial Code in there and the statutes at large, the laws of the United States of America, and I put that in there and I send it back and I say, here's your quote-unquote payment instrument. Here you go. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're dealing with is fictitious payments to fictitious characters. Mm-hmm. And I've damn near 99% of all the bills I've handled that way and it's working. The ones that are really giving me a problem is the water and the electricity. These guys are relentless. <laughs> but everybody else, everybody else, they've been taking them. The IRS, the California Franchise Tax Board, the Long Beach Superior Court, a dozen different credit cards. They have to swallow it, and they do. Have, have you been giving any sort of confirmation of them taking uh, what, what the remittance you're giving, which, which they should do? Like you said, it's outlined in their form of fictional business. Yeah. That, that I, is I, a return. You know. Yeah, have you been I, getting any sort of confirmations back from them? Like I'll, the tell you what my, I'll tell you what my experience is, is in, and I've, had, I've never – ever, ever heard of anyone else saying, or me, saying, you know what, they took my remittance, they zeroed out the account, they credited it, and sent me a letter back saying, thank you for your payment, we've zeroed it out just as you asked for, and and the account's still open, thank you very much. I've never heard of that ever happening to anyone, and it's never happened to me. Here's what does happen in real life. I got a whole stack of paperwork here. I was going to send some copies to Angela Stark to show her and this other guy, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. <laughs> are you Aaron? Yeah, that's me. You're Aaron in Texas? Yeah. No. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I thought I, thought I was getting, the beginning. I told you. I was getting ready to call, uh, contact you and ask you to call in on these calls so we could talk. Um, <laughs> um, I'm playing so a little devil. Advocate a little to 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 get all sides out though you know so so don't yes. take you know what I mean. So Bob, has it been somewhat 
some time, obviously some time. I've 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 studied the the A for V's and the remittance and that also before I met Carl, so I understand uh, what you're talking about. So has it been some time since uh, like you haven't received another so-called bill from you say you've had um, possibly success with the IRS uh, yeah. and other other uh, corporations? So could you tell us more about that? Yeah, let me share with you my experience. I've okay. been doing this for several years. I went round and round and round with the uh, IRS up there. I believe it's called the CRA. Yeah. Down here it's the IRS. Um, I, I spent years going round and round with these people because I was still uh, f- feeling my way through. I didn't really understand what was going on that much. I started I started understanding more and more clearly what was going on, and so. Um, what happened was uh, several years ago, I finally wrote out the paperwork in the correct way. Here's here's what happens in real life, and, and, and I'm having to understand what success is and what it is and how to recognize it when I see it. I finally wrote uh, I saw, finally wrote them out the remittance. Um, I thought the IRS was going to be the toughest nut to crack, and it's not. Um, I finally wrote it out in which I signed it. Uh, the one using this information for purposes other than personal identification. Now, when we use this information, that's what it is. When somebody says, yeah, but I need to know if you're John Smith. Are you John Smith? I need to speak to the taxpayer named John Smith. I say, well, I use that information. What would you like to know about that information? They say, well, I want to know if you're John Smith. I say, wait a minute. Are you looking at that information right now? Is it in front of you on a computer? So, yeah, I'm looking at it. Well, I call what you're looking at information. What do you call it? Now, you're using that information. What purposes are you using that information for? A picture of me is not me. You see, the in, I'm, I'm talking about information. These people are asking me, and I tell people, look, I'm using this phone to talk to you. I'm using it for that purpose. I'm not going to identify myself as the phone. It's something that I use for various purposes. And I use that information that you're looking at right now on that screen. I use that information for various purposes. What purposes are you using it for? Are you using that information as personal identification? I'm under no obligation to identify myself as information. But I'd be glad to talk to you about that information. Is there anything that you'd like to know about that information? And that's how I started separating myself. Very good. Very good. Like that. Now, the IRS people... I started sending these in with that kind of a signature, and I started sending in these remittances, and they stopped contacting me. They just dropped off. And then, and then once a year, they started sending back, well, here's the balance. It's owing. And I'd send them in another, and I'd sign that off and send it back in. Never These people just keep their just same with California Franchise Tax Board. Once a year, they'll send out a notice saying, well, this much is owing. I'm doing the same thing with property tax. I do the same thing with the courthouse. I did the same thing with jury duty, where they're threatening 250, you know, monetary 250,000 or whatever it is, 200, no, 2,500, you know, a big fine. I sent it to them. I sent it to all these people, all the credit card company people. I send them the same thing, and I send them the section. Is it section 3606? Is that what I'm talking about here? Section, let me look at it right here. It's uh, section 3603 uh, of the California Commercial Code. 
which reads, if, if tender or payment of an obligation to pay an instrument is made to a person entitled to enforce the instrument and the tender is refused, there is discharge to the extent of the amount of the tender. So when I send it to them, I say, well, who's the person, who's the person entitled to enforce the instrument? Well, it could be Southern California Edison Company. It could be the IRS. It could be the Long Beach Superior Court. That's the person entitled to enforce the instrument. If the tender is refused, there is discharge. Well, what am, what am I tendering? Well, it's a payment instrument. All there is is charge and discharge. There's no more payment. Payment, bills and payments was pre-1933. That's when people were paying with gold and silver certificates. There's no more payments. These people are sending, they're mixing oil and water. They're sending a bill, but we don't bill and pay anymore. There's only charge and discharge. Mm-hmm. Because we're only talking about numbers. Right, here's part of what I what I sent to them is right straight from the public from the Federal Reserve publications. It says right here, and, and, and I quote this. I send these quotes, and these people back off because you can't argue it. I'm not saying it. I just I just send them the look at these are your own uh, publications. It says right here, checks aren't money in themselves. This is from I bet you thought. They are simply order forms instructing commercial banks and other depository institutions such as savings banks and credit unions to move transaction balances which are money from one account to another. Those checkbook deposits are bookkeeping entries on the ledgers and in the computers of depository institutions. Banks don't keep cash in checking accounts and don't transfer currency or coin when acting on a check's instructions. Checkbook balances may be transferred between accounts as bookkeeping entries. And then the last thing here would be this quote, currency backing isn't relevant in today's economy. Currency cannot be redeemed or exchanged for treasury gold or any other asset used as backing. The question of just what assets back Federal Reserve notes has little but bookkeeping significance. And then underneath that, I quote modern money mechanics that says very clearly, a dollar bill is just a piece of paper, deposits merely book entries. Now, I'm not going to argue with these people. I just go look at that straight that's what money is. It's numbers. And then underneath that, I wrote my own note that says, within the fictional world of money and banking, numbers are being deposited into checking accounts. Numbers are being loaned from banks. Numbers are being billed and charged. Numbers are being paid and discharged. All we're ever talking about when we talk about money is numbers, bookkeeping entries. So I write out as, as a remittance, and I send it back to them, and I, and I add the public laws of the United States of America here, statutes at large, which says on page 113, it says that every provision contained in or made with respect to any obligation which purports to give the obligee a right to require payments in gold or a particular kind of coin or currency or in an amount and money of the United States measured thereby is declared to be against public policy because they withdrew gold out of the so they 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 did away with gold and silver certificates. So now this isn't the HJR 192. Uh, what is it? HJR 192. That's an in-house memo for the for the for the House and the Congress. But I'm I'm quoting. This was written up in the public laws of the United States, the statutes at large. These are the big laws that everyone's under. So I simply write this down and I say, look, this is what your laws say about these payment instruments. Here's the payment instrument. Swallow that. And these people go away. They back off. That's, yeah, that's re- my technique. Yeah, I remember um, uh, studying Robert Menard 
and uh, about 96 is your fix with the hydro bills and the, the remittance slipping on the bottom of the hydro bill. There's a 96, and I guess there was apparently on some some other of uh, these so-called bills that are sent to us. Like you say, it says right on it. Some of them say right on it, voucher. Yes, and some 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 actually say remittance, right? Yes, on yeah. The hydro bill here in um, Ontario, here on Ontario, says remittance. Now, now, this is what I'm talking about when I say I clean, I'm cleaning up my language. If we're not, if there's no bills, and we're not, if you can't pay a bill, if that's pre-1933, if we're not paying bills, if there's only charge and discharge, I change the language. When they send out and they say, here's a bill, here's a property tax bill, pay this bill. Here's a water bill, pay this bill. I write right back and say, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? All that's going on now is charge and discharge. And all we're talking about are bookkeeping entries. Where did you come up with this bill and payment mm-hmm. stuff? We're not doing that anymore. And I'm I'm just quoting the I'm just going look at this is what the Federal Reserve publications say. These were published for people to read. These aren't these aren't private, secured, top secret memos for you people to no. These were published for us to read and understand. So I just quote it right back to him and say, look, this is what it says. Here's the remittance. And like I say, 99% of these people just back off and go away. But the water, the water, the people distributing water and the people distributing electricity are just adamant. I've had two of these women from the uh, Signal Hill Water Department actually call me up saying, we're, we're handling this at the executive level, and we're discussing this, you know, at the high... And, you know, are you, I, I'm calling to help you. Do you need some help? And I just go, is there anything in that letter that I sent you that you didn't understand? So, well, are, are, you, are you John Smith? Are you so-and-so? And I, I'm like, well, I use that information. What would you like to know about that information? Mm-hmm. And th- this is my approach to this. And it works for me. And I know everybody has a different approach. That's interesting. But I, I don't like it when people make demands and give ultimatums. It mm-hmm. bothers me. It bothers me when people make demands and give me ultimatums. There has to be a way to put a stop to this nonsense. Mm-hmm. I remember receiving a letter one time from the CRA demanding that I file an income tax. <laughs> and at that time, I wasn't studying anything. I thought, oh, no, demand. Like I was scared, you know. I thought, oh, right. but uh, I haven't filed an income tax for three, four years, but so long. I haven't heard anything from them. But Now, uh, now what I have done, though, is the uh, water department people, I've been doing this for many months with these people. I've been here to do it for years with some of the others, but I just started doing it about six months ago with the water people and the electricity people. Now, the water people have twice come out because I keep sending this remittance back saying, here's the, here's the discharge instrument and mm-hmm. here's the laws pertaining to that. And they keep writing back saying, your bill is overdue, pay the bill. And I keep writing back to them. And twice they've come out here, different months, and hung a, um, a discontinuance of water service notice. In yeah. 10 days, we're going to shut off the water. At that point, because I'm not trying to make my life worse, I'm trying to make my life better. Mm-hmm. At that point, I take this fiat paper, and I go down there, and I say, here's the paper. You happy? They go, yeah. Okay, here's the paper. There you go. And then I just, the next time they send another bill, I, I write it up the way I do and send it back to them. And I tell these people, 
I'm writing this to the people committing fraud and practicing monetary discrimination because that's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're committing fraud. They're trying to convince me that they are something that they're not. If, you, if they say that I'm a, a general manager or I'm a, uh, fa- I'm a, you know, whoever they claim to be, billing manager, whoever, that's not what you are. You're, you're, that's fraudulent misrepresentation. You're committing fraud. You're trying to convince me. You get, you're providing me with information that's not true. You want me to you believe that information as true, and you want me to make a decision based on that information, and then you want me to act on that information. And you're trying to tell me you're a billing manager, and you want me to believe that you're a billing manager. You're not a billing manager. That's a false persona. You're pretending to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. But you want me, in other words, if you couldn't convince me that you're a billing manager, what do you have to say to me? Man to man. You see? If you can't convince me that you're a police officer, then what do we have to talk about? Mm-hmm. Nothing, right? They have to convince you that they really are in real life who they claim to be. That's fraudulent misrepresentation. And I, I call them on it. You're committing fraud. And I'm not putting up with it. Mm-hmm. But that's just my approach. Well, that's interesting. I'm just throwing that in the mix because I know everybody has different approaches and mm-hmm. everybody handles mm-hmm. things differently. But this is why I uh, I question people about property and ownership and rights. And here's here's an interesting thing. Everyone says we're all equal, right? We're all men and women. All men and women are created equal, right? But persons are inherently unequal. A private isn't equal to a captain. A defendant isn't equal to a judge. A taxpayer isn't equal to a tax collector. The minute we adopt these false personas, we're not equal anymore, are we? It's a structured hierarchy, you see? So so one second people say, well, we're all men and we're all equal. And in the very next second, they're saying, as a person, well, okay, now your equality just went out the window. You're now a subject to the guy above you. Right. And I've gotten to a point in my life to where I can't put up with this nonsense anymore. Well, good for you. <clears throat> so now people have to convince me that they really are. And here's what I say to them. They say, no, I actually am. This is who I am. I'm a, I'm a floor manager. I'm a secretary. I'm a, I'm a tax collector. I'm a, a bank teller. I go, really? That's not what you are in real life. Or is you're, you're committing fraud. You're trying to convince me that you're something. No, this is who I am in real life. I say, oh, really? So your mother gave birth to a billing manager. Is that what you're trying? It says on your birth certificate, born this day, a billing manager. You were raised that way. You didn't have to fill out an application. You didn't have to demonstrate that you were qualified. You don't have to, because you're already a billing manager. That's what you are in real life, right? So you didn't have to fill out an application. You just walked in there and started doing it, right? Because that's what you are in real life. These people have to convince me that this is what, what and you should hear the ridiculous conversations these people to try to convince me that this is what they are in real life they're not adopting a persona it's not a social persona they're not putting on an act they're not acting in this capacity no this is what i am in real life oh so when your mother gave birth to you and she was asked oh what did you give birth to she looked down at you and said well look at it it's a billing manager obviously that's what i gave birth to this is how ridiculous these people (laughs) sound to me So this is how I'm, I'm trying to separate myself, not only from the name, but the social persona. People have been making a big deal over the name. But if you're going in there and the guy's playing the role of a judge, it doesn't matter if his name is Tom, Dick, or Harry. 
The name doesn't matter. It's that social persona that matters. He's trying to convince you that he's a judge. And if he can successfully convince you that he's a judge in real life, and that's what you're talking to as a judge, well, then he can talk you into anything. He's already got you. Yeah. What a challenge, eh? What a challenge, especially when it comes to uh, these men and women that are acting as police officers or judges and you're in court, yeah. When and they're they, pretending, they're acting, and what they're doing is they're committing fraud. And I'm at the point now to where I don't mince words. I tell them, you're committing fraud. When you stop committing fraud, I'll, keep, I'll stop accusing you of committing fraud. Bob, could you tell me, please, um, elaborate a little bit on that. So you say, okay, they're, they're committing fraud because they're acting as something and they're not? Is that, you is that pretend, what you mean? If you misrepresent yourself to me, if you pretend to be something that you're not, yeah. that's fraud. You're tricking me. You're deceiving me. I don't. Nobody likes – those are part of the three primary. Don't harm people. Don't deceive them. Don't trick them. And don't take things from them that they value. People will hate you and resent you. Well, you know what? When people trick me and deceive me, I, 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 I have a very I, – I, I don't want to use the word hate, but I resent these people. I don't like them. I don't like people to tr- misrepresenting. How would you feel if someone came up to you and, and, and misrepresented themselves and, and, made, and you started making decisions and plans and changing your life, and, and then you found out they're not even who they claim to be? Right. Well, I, nobody appreciates that. In, in legal terms, there's three categories this falls under. Innocent misrepresentation, negligent misrepresentation, and fraudulent misrepresentation. Now, someone... Now, negligent, innocent misrepresentation means I told you something that I thought was true, and I had every reason to believe it was true, so I'm innocent. Mm-hmm. Negligent means I didn't really check and look up on it. Fraudulent means you knew darn well that what you're saying is false. Now, if, someone's gonna have, if someone says, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I was acting in the capacity of a police officer. I didn't know that that's what I was doing in society. I've never heard of society before. I didn't know that everyone in society adopts, plays a role in society. I didn't know that. Someone would have to convince me that they'd never heard of society before. They didn't know that every member of society plays a role in that society. And, he, and he volu- he's going to have to convince me that he didn't know that he voluntarily chose to play that particular role in society, that of a police officer or district attorney or faculty member or tenant or resident or anything. These people would have to convince me that they didn't know that that's what they were doing. No, I'm not buying that. No, you intentionally tried to deceive me mm-hmm. into believing that you really are a policeman in real life. Because if, I, if you couldn't convince me that you really are a policeman, I wouldn't pay any attention to you, would I? Yeah. This is a fraud game. And I'm, I'm now turning to people and saying, look, it's just fraud. Black and white, it's fraud. And you're using this fraud to practice monetary discrimination. Because you treat people that have money differently than you treat people that don't have money. You give people, you, people that have money, you treat them with preferential treatment, favoritism. Like the whites-only cafe. The whites get preferential treatment. They get served the food. 
to blacks, no, we don't serve you. Get out. That's discrimination. If you if two people walk into a restaurant and one guy says, I have money, they go, here you go. Anything you need, there you go. This guy says, I don't have money, you get out. That's discrimination. It's not political discrimination. It's not gender discrimination. It's not racial discrimination. It's monetary discrimination. And I, I call people on it. The first thing when people, when I talk to people and they call me up, I ask them what their discrimination policy is. Hey, Bob, can I ask you a question? This is Aaron again. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the water company that you're having trouble getting them to realize this. Um, and then you previously talked about they, they voluntarily uh, enter into these personas. Right to do to do certain things, and so that's why it could be fraudulent. Um, did you also voluntarily call them to have water an account made formed and water turned on? I guess. For, right. For In other company? words, did I agree to play the role of a customer, a fictional character called yeah. a customer, okay. and sign an agreement and say, you know what, I agree to be the customer? that has to pay the bill, you're the service provider, and now I agree that I am the customer, right? Yeah, I know like What happens, what do you do when you sign a contract with somebody and you find out it's based in fraud? What do you do? Do you keep paying? Cancel it. It's void. And you call them on it. You say, wait a minute, there's fraud going on here. I didn't realize it before, but, but now that I do realize it, huh? Uh, say, uh, are, would you not be held liable for the same amount of fraud as them? Because you and I both voluntarily called them. They did not call me to, to initiate this uh, commercial agreement. Yeah, I hear right. I, there's a, I, I can barely hear there's a lot of noise going on in the background. Can you hear me yeah. okay? I can hear you. I'll speak okay. up. I'm, I'm almost home. but. Uh, okay. Would you and I not be involved in or liable for the same amount of fraud or a counterclaim, I guess you could call it, because they they didn't call me to offer me water. I called them and said, please deliver me water, right? And, and so I put them in the position. Didn't didn't I thereby giving, give them that persona that I need from them uh, as a distributor or, or, or playing manager? Didn't well, I kind of... Here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to me. I woke up one morning after studying this and studying this and studying this for years. I realized, wait a minute. Nobody owns the rain. Nobody owns the ocean. Water doesn't cost anything. Well, just because people people tell me ridiculous things like money, like time costs money. I never heard anything so ridiculous about time costs. I'm charging you for my time. Oh, I didn't know there was my time and your time and just the time. Mm-hmm. And time costs money. Not only just any money, it costs Federal Reserve banking money. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. When I realize water is a natural resource, every, a dead planet is a dead planet because there's no water on it, because every living creature needs water. And we know that. Every human being knows that. Nobody can say, oh, I didn't know you, did, you need water. No, you know, you know every living thing needs water. Now, why would you take water and tell me that it costs money and it's a commodity that you're charging me for? This is ridiculous. So I send in a payment instrument. I say, here you go. Here's the payment instrument. This is a fictional charge. This is a fictional payment that's being paid to a fictional character because water is not a commodity. It's not a product. It's nobody's property. 
We're sharing it. We're using and sharing the water on this planet. And this planet is three-quarters water. Here's another thing to think about. When you put someone in, when these people put someone in prison, I don't care if he's a child rapist or he murdered 10 people, and he says, I'm going to keep doing it. The most nasty individual, you could, you could hate, your, hate him with all your guts, and you lock him in prison. Now, these people said, we're going to turn off your water in 10 days. You don't get any water. Even the worst criminal in prison, they don't dehydrate him and starve him. They give him water and they give him food. No human being deserves to be deprived of water. There's no excuse for that. No excuse. I'm going to repeat that till the day I die. There's no legitimate reason ever to deprive any living thing of water. Is someone depriving you of water? Well, when they say we're going to turn off the water, yeah. Well, why would you? Why would you? Why would you threaten to turn you off of the water? Delivery. They, they might be de- depriving me or you of delivery, but not necessarily water, because I can walk outside, like you said, in the rain, and catch as much as I need to drink. All right. So, so let me get this straight. Every now, animals can drink dirty water. Human beings need a, a daily supply of clean drinking water for sanitation purposes, for showering, for cooking, for cleaning, and for, for drinking. Human beings need a daily supply of fresh water. Now, that's why we have pipes running to every single house, because nobody's going to stand there and say, I didn't know that. Everybody knows that. Every human being needs a daily supply of fresh water. And if you cut off that water, what are you going to do? Run out and use the garden hose, your neighbors? You know, they say, well, can I, can I use your... How, how are you going to cook? How are you going to clean? How are you going to drink clean water on a regular basis if these people cut off the water? Now, why, why would you want to do that to someone? What's well, a, give me a good reason. Give me a good reason for doing that to someone to say, oh, we're going to shut off the water. I'm, I'm, in that context, there's no good reason, but that's not what's happening. Right. It, it, what there's what they are saying, in my guess, is they're they're cutting off delivery of that clean water that someone used energy to clean and make it suitable for uh, not just one human, but like I don't know how many people in California, 25 million people. So, but there's nothing stopping me from collecting my own clean water, like you just said. Rain is free. Water is free. Bananas are free. I can go collect them. You know, right? Wouldn't you say so, that's true? So? Well, I, I, I was watching a, uh, I was watching this uh, water thing because I've been looking up this, this this so-called drought in California here, and it was <laughs> it was a girl talking about a lake mead in, in in Nevada. This this girl who was playing the role of one of these city council whatever, and she says, well, I, you know, I've been in charge of the water thing here for many years, and we deliver the water, and if people want to think that it's free, and they they can take their bucket. And they can go down to Lake Mead and they can dip it in there and take all the water that you want. Mm-hmm. I'm going, really? That's that's your attitude, huh? Knowing what? that people need a, a clean supply of water every day, why would you why would you say, you know what, we'll give it to the worst criminals in prison, but you didn't pay what we we demanded that you paid in a particular kind of coin or currency in violation of, of the laws of the United States. And you didn't pay it in the manner that we demanded. So we'll give water to a criminal in prison. But you did something worse. You didn't pay 
in the coin in the particular kind of coin or currency that we demanded. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna turn. That's worse. We're gonna turn off your water. There you go. Is uh, is the water company you're dealing with? Is that a governmental agency? No, I think it's just a. I think it's just a, a, a Signal Hill Water is. It's yeah, a part you know, of the, that, that's well, crap. Everyone local, on this show, local, they call it local government, I guess. Yeah, everyone on this show and whoever listens to you talks about this will agree that that's bullshit. When a private, some quasi private corporation comes in and does control the flow of clean water, let's say, and they do it, uh, like you said, as a ransom. Wow, if you don't pay me some certain thing that I want, then I'm cutting you off, and we don't care if you die tomorrow. You know, that's crap. Now, governments, if we want to talk about governments, I know they don't do anything, but it is a structure of regulation where, okay, a very communistic structure where, why not? Why are they not set up to say this land that we all live around here, uh, it has water, and we want to protect it all together, all of us. We want to protect it, don't we? Yes. And so let's set up a a distribution system so that we all have clean, fresh water, and we can all donate a little bit for repairs or or, or new technology or whatever benefits our life. I agree with that. Now, this constant water payment every month of 50 bucks, you know, over your lifetime, how much did you spend on water? You know, $50,000 or something just to exist on this planet? It's a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so the, the corporatization of the natural things that we all need on this earth, food and water, first and foremost, and then shelter, um, the the selling out of that is bs well how can we how can we how can we justify that? depriving any living thing of water this this is just immoral no. let me let me share with you an, an interesting anecdote i went to i i went to, you know i was looking this up you know through all the government agencies all the way up to the top and i went all the way to the united nations so here you're going all the way up through blah 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 all the way up to the united nations right to say well, how come there's people and i see all these you know people dehydrating you know in africa and mongolia and and you know all these people deprived of water right it's water should be and i don't believe in rights but other people do believe in rights. They say everyone has a right to water. So I went right to the United Nations. What do they say about the humaneness, the morality of providing water, freaking water to people, a necessity of life on this planet? What does the United Nations say? And I read their policy, and it says every human being has the right to affordable water. That's the very top echelon has the right to water that they can afford. You still have to buy it and pay for it. But every human being has the right to affordable water. That's what it says right in the UN documents. Mm-hmm. I read that and I'm like, you know what, that's that's how these people think. That's disgusting. From the top down, that's how they think. You still gotta pay for it. To live on this planet and have access to water, you gotta pay. The the exact opposite of that let's say, global system, they, they saying this and, and all these ideas they, they, these, that they come up with and, and influence most of the population to believe. The exact opposite of that is on your roof, you have a big bucket. On my roof, I have a big bucket, you know, and so on down the line. 
we could all do that. And at one time, people did, right? Probably not too long ago, 100 years ago. Is that going to cl- provide you with clean, filtered, drinkable water on a daily basis? Uh, and food and sanitation and clo- washing and clothing and showers and all that? A bucket of water on your roof when it's drought for in, in California? We've had a lot of dry weather here. I understand, but when your point of view coming across to certain listeners is that of uh, you got no problem with telling other people to share, but you really promote the receiving part. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's address that because I, I, I see that. I see that coming across. I see that. Let's address that. Yeah. Now, what what am I saying? I think I, everything should be free for me, and everybody should give things to me, and I'm not going to provide anything for anybody else. People that don't know you, have never heard you talk or, or even listened to any, on your other shows, that's exactly what they are thinking, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. I, I get that. I get that. Especially because a lot of these folks come from another couple shows where it is, the the, the concept is mine, 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 property, 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 you, right. you get away. You know, so okay. All I can let me let me respond to that this way because I can only speak for myself. And what I do is I've been going out. I I used to be an audio engineer. Well, I used to play the role of an audio engineer for many years. I worked at many different. I was in the the army. I worked at Borden Chemical and King Bearing, and I've done many jobs. I've worked regular jobs my whole life before I really started knuckling down and figuring this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I what I had done lately in the years, in the last 10 years, is I, I fix people's computers. I work on their electricity because I, I do a lot of electrical work. I uh, And I, and they always – and I started doing a freelance. When I started studying this stuff, I'm going, there's something wrong here, and I, this doesn't feel right to me. And so I just go, you know what, just pay me whatever you can. And I would accept, like, donate. I would say, you know what, I can't charge you, but just whatever you think. And, and so I was, like, asking for donations. But every time I did things for people – they would, even if I said, that's okay, they would say, no, 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 I have to give you something. I have to give you something. I'm like, okay. But I feel bad taking things from you because the reason I came out here and fixed your computer or did your electrical work or, or helped you fix your brakes or worked with you in you know, stucco or whatever I'm doing, the reason I did that is because I just want to help you out. I, just, I did it because I want to help you out. And I told them, I don't want to charge you anything. I just want to do things for you, right? Because I care about you. Now, mm-hmm. if I if I work and work and work and work and work, and then I go down to the restaurant and say, wow, I'm exhausted, man. I've been working all week. And they go, where's your coupons to prove that you worked? And I go, I don't have any coupons. Because when I do things for people, I just I do it because I care about them. And they go, no coupons, no food. And I go, dang. So they're going, well, get a real job. A real job means where they pay you this fiat paper. And bring that paper because we don't want to accidentally give food away to some lazy bum. That's the worst fear people have is giving things away to someone who's lazy. So now we have a system that's guaranteed that we're never going to share. Guaranteed. It's against the law to share. What is the opposite, though? How how could, uh, if, if we all share, how, how do I know that I'm not sharing with someone who just got shared with by 100,000 people and the, and the guy behind him didn't get anything? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, how do you... 
Yeah, okay, here's the thing is, you're never going to get rid of mentally ill people or, or physically damaged people or people who are violent or people who are lazy. You're never going to get rid of them. Look at, how, look at how a free system of no, no government oversight, look at millions of wildebeest or, or buffalo or, or moose, or uh, you, you can imagine like a whole herd of them out there, right? You've seen these, right? A whole herd of them, millions mm-hmm. of them out there. And they're all getting along. They're all socializing. And but off on the side, there's a couple of them button heads and fighting and causing a ruckus. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to avoid that. So what? So what if you accidentally give something to somebody who's lazy? So what? There's always going to be lazy people. There's always going to be violent people. But when you look out at the millions and billions of people, you're going to see that 99% of them are cooperating. They have respect. They care about each other. They want to be a good human being. They want to reciprocate. Who cares? Who cares if you accidentally gave something away to someone who's lazy? Who cares? Is that really your worst fear? No, not at all. But when you talk about uh, the context of like what we call animals, and we are animals, we are animate, right? We 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 have outward energy. We move around. We we socialize with each other, just like animals do. The animals that we we think of. But when I walk into a herd of wildebeest, they they are going to act differently towards me, and they will turn around and protect whatever water source they have whatever food source they have, whatever, uh, let's say, babies they have, you know, they will turn around and, and protect that from another animal. And and that's kind of where, where we get into society with these different classes of people and d- different thinking, right? We, we all think differently about what is mine or we should share or, or this is right, that's wrong. And so we, don't we all collectively act as a big zoo of animals because our thinking is different. Well, and that's I, the problem I, I, I'm into, right? Like a wildebeest. I, I, disagree, I disagree with your I premise. And I think if you, if, if you think about it for a minute, I think what you meant to say was they'll protect their little living area where they're raising their young. But when it comes to the watering hole, if you really study nature, it's always a common watering hole. All the different animals come to the watering hole, and they all recognize it as a common watering hole. They're cautious, and they are protective of the young. But I don't, I've never seen lions or, 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 or hyenas surround a watering hole and tell all the other animals, all the other different species, stay off of our watering hole. I've never seen that happen. The watering holes are common, and, and animals intuitively recognize that. But they will, they will protect their little private area where they're raising their young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've never seen, let's say, a, a pack of lions surround a watering hole, but they will lie in wait, knowing because yeah, water. Yeah, they use it as a, as a hunting opportunity. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Commercial hunting opportunity. Yeah, it's uh, my point of view is like this, or my thought is this what we would call the system, I guess, what we see in front of us and all these actors and every it does, it, it is, like you said, it, it just, even that is, it's not real, but I can go up and I can go poke a waitress, even though I'm poking a woman, but it, it's to, to everyone standing around me, they're like, oh, don't poke the waitress, you know, so it becomes real at that point. So this whole system is real. Now, were you and I meant 
to be involved, ingrained, or in, an actor in this system. For example, I don't care if it exists. Great. Hey, good. Now I have a phone. I have a car. I've got all these great commercial material things. Yay. But it, it, at what point was I obligated at my birth to become a cog in that machine, that that fake world, that that fictional world, that commercial world? Well, I wasn't, but I joined it just like you and every, we all did. We all joined it. But nobody said we had to join it. So what if we could step outside of it and then have the same exact thinking that you're, you're talking about, about the, the world is ours. It's yours, mine, all the resources, everything be- belongs to us at this time that we're living here to use and hopefully to benefit each other with, not, not to hoard, not to, not to take or steal. But what if we could uh, step outside that system and then tell that fictional world, hey, exist all you want. That's great. However, keep in mind, all of this is is ours. You only exist on paper. You voluntarily stepped into that office as billing manager. You voluntarily said you wanted to be CEO. You voluntarily created this business to use resources for a profit and exorbitant profits at that. Now, I'm going to step in and limit your profits or control how you distribute those resources that you're putting together to make phones, and and someone's going to control how that's distributed. You know, nobody's doing that. Governments aren't doing that. Right, and they're so... We ha- what happens is we we're, we as, it's, it's it's a natural progression. We're born as little babies. We're self-centered. We're the center of the universe. And then we grow up, and we as we grow older, we see we see our family, and then we see our house, and then we see our community, and then we see a whole countryside, and then we see a whole world, and we keep expanding our world, and we grow, and we, a role reversal happens. The gr- little girl that started out as a selfish little baby and gimme gimme mine mine, she graduated by the time she's 21, she's completely reversed. And now she's the caregiver taking care of the little baby that's saying, gimme, gimme, mine, mine. This is a natural progression of mankind. We grow past the phase of believing in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the stork brings the baby. We, we grow past that. We grow and we get wider and wider circles of understanding. Now, you and I should be at the point now to where we no longer ask mommy and daddy if we can go out. We say, you're no longer an authority over me. Now, this is what I'm turning to these people and saying, look, if you're going to insist that you're a congressman or a bailiff or a policeman or a district attorney, what you're doing now, I used to look at you as an authority figure. But now you're just a fraud. Okay? So don't pull that shit on me now. Now I'm going to call you a fraud. And if you keep keep up this behavior, I'm going to keep calling you a fraud. And when you knock it off, I'll stop calling you a fraud. Now, I used to look up to you people, but that was the growth process. I think you and I... We we pass through. It's a phase. You go. You believe in Santa Claus, and then you pass through that, and you mature, and then you become above that. Now you don't believe in Santa Claus, but you still look up to your congressman and your president and your and your senators and your right. And so you and I have reached a point, and many people are reaching that point in their life where they're saying, you know what? Now I'm passing through the phase of I don't think these people should be ordering me around like I'm a little child anymore. 
And I yeah. think that's what we're doing is we're saying, what happens when we now pass that point? Now how do we conduct ourselves? You and, control and the system. I'm, uh, what I ask myself every single day is, what is the proper response? What is the proper response? When these people send notices or say, step out of the car, or you were speeding, or show up at this court, or you have jury duty, or pay this property tax, what's the proper response? The proper response is, who are you talking to? We need to establish this real clearly. Yeah, and and that's a very valid question. Who are you looking for? Who are you talking to? Who are you trying to contact or communicate with? And let them tell you that they are only trying to communicate with that social persona named Bob. Mm -hmm. You, You know? And they do, but they don't say it in that context. They just say, "I'm I'm looking for Bob," <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. you, and you can you you can kind of go further. Well, what is the nature of the Bob that you're looking for? There's a billion Bobs on this planet. Uh, you know, be more specific, please. Anyway, you you can go into that. But why they're they're only looking for Bob, the social persona, or let's say Aaron. I'll use myself. I don't like talking about other people. They're only looking for Aaron. Because at some point along that process of growing, I told them who I was. Unfortunately, I used one of their pieces of paper and agreed to everything on it and signed the bottom and said, yep, that's who I am. And they put it on a record on file and said, if this guy ever does anything against whatever he agreed to, we're going straight to him because he said that's who he is. He created that persona. Right, you brought that up about the water department. If I agreed to be, you know, if I signed it as the customer, let me bring up two things. Number one is what happens when you find out there's fraud in a contract? And here's another thing it's very important is does the word error and mistake. What happens if you made a mistake? Mm-hmm. What do you do about it? You fix it, right? Well, you got to fix yeah. a mistake. And if you find there's fraud, you got to point it out. And that's the point that you and I are at right now is. What's the correct way to correct a mistake and point out the fraud? What's the correct way to do that? And screaming at them, yelling, right, burning down their building, fighting with them, shooting, running away from them, that's not the correct response. What is the correct response? Well, We're having a prodigal son moment here. They're they're not trying to communicate with with the man named Aaron. They don't even know I exist. They don't care. They only exist on paper. Right? They, they they have no thinking. They have no belief. It's just whatever's on their record, whatever was written down inside their little world of that business, let's say the water company, when, when that piece of paper comes across the so-called building manager's desk, it, it has some information on it that was previously agreed to by me before, blah, blah, and they're going to contact me to uphold my end of an agreement that I thought was beneficial at the time. Right. Now, you did agree that you were a customer. Let's talk about you. If you agreed that you're a customer and you signed that as a customer and you agreed to it, mm-hmm. what what do you do when you find out there's fraud in there and what do you do when you learn, uh-oh, I made a mistake? Now, what do you do? Now, this is what we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. By agreeing to be a customer, then I'm also agreeing that whatever they're offering me belongs to them, right? I'm kind of agreeing like, oh, you control Hello. the water. You deliver Hello. the water. Hold on, Roddy. And, uh, and so I kind of, I'm, 
I'm agreeing that they're the authority, right? Why? Certain, but you're under no obligation to agree with anything no, no, that I they know. say or do. I know. So when I back out of that, when I say uh, I'm no longer a customer of yours and I no longer want your services, thank you very much, bills are all settled, whatever you call bills are all settled, I, you don't think I owe you anything, I don't. you don't owe me anything. And then when you step out of the commercial world and you step up into the, I think I talked to you about this before on another show, like the true owner of this world for the time that we're here. I, who, who's, the, who's the true owner? You are. I am. Sonia is. Roddy is. How long did you agree to be a customer? We all share it together, right? That, that's well, kinda, that kinda, it doesn't kind of new. If we're all the owners, then nobody's the owner. I mean, what's the difference of saying we're we all, all owners equally or we, nobody owns it? We all have a beneficial interest in it for survival, right? Yeah. And yeah. Let's put yeah. yeah. water. Yeah. So now, but we're, we, we're not filling that role of being a man. Let's just say a man. Um, nobody's filling that role as being a man. We've all subscribed our name onto agreements that admit to an authority controlling these things. And we need okay. to step back I think, we're, that. I think we're misguided when we did it, but I don't disagree with you. That's what we all did, right? Sure, sure. We, we were misguided and not, not told what was actually happening. Excuse and, me, Aaron and Bob. Um, Oklahoma, did you have something you tried to uh, say something a couple of times? And we have open mic here, so do you have something? Oh, hi. It's, it's, it's Roddy. I was listening. Uh, this is a, oh, okay, Roddy. Uh, I, I was going to compliment. This is one of the best uh, calls or any more calls like this because it's a, it's a mass awakening. The people are trying to return to the land, <clears throat> kind of like the prodigal son. We woke can, up can in I, the... Can, I got to check on something. Okay. I'll be back in 30 seconds. I got to check on something real quick. Okay, okay, bye. I'll be right back. But we woke up broke, beaten, battered with this wine, and we're saying, I want to return to my father's house. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's what, <clears throat> you know, when I look at the story in the Bible, <clears throat> the father accepted him back and returned to the land. You know, it's all yours. Just, uh, you know, you went out and had your fun. You saw, you know, it was good for a while, and now we're returning to the land. I, I was thinking about the the well-informed jury movement, and it's kind of how I relate this call and others with similar right. discussions. I'll interrupt you real quick before we go on the jury, but even <clears throat> Bob was talking about the earth is uh, providing, right, and, and it, it gives, and even Leo, I think that was Leo from Canada talking about carrots, how every year there, there's a new rotation, right? And so when you talk about going back to the land and we are using all of these resources at this time, it doesn't mean we're taking them and hoarding them because after we're dead and gone, carrots are still going to grow in Leo's farm. You know, it's the next generation. So so it, it really relates to what you said about giving, uh, what, what what did you just say about the, the Lord and the prodigal son? You know, we went out and experienced it and now we're waking up. Hey, it wasn't, you know, we've, we're woken we've waken up amongst the the swine, and we've said, "Hey, let's something's not right here. Let's return to our father's house because everything is provided there." Yeah, everything is provided, and eternally, as far as we're concerned, uh, on our short little life here. So, when when we talk about 
people, when some people say we, we own stuff, or like these are my resources, this is my water. Well, for the time being, it is. I have just as much interest in it as you do, and I'm here to share it with you for our time here. So it's not a bad thing to say this is our land at this time. I grew, because... I, I, I grew up in Georgia, northwest Georgia, and my grandfather was a big influence on this. A lot of this land stuff, he was an ordained minister, pre- preacher, even though he couldn't read or write well. <clears throat> but he, he knew... He knew the land, the basic principles, and he had a little garden across the across the street. And uh, and I would love to. I, I love working. When it talks about the, you know, when Sonia mentioned the one that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that doesn't mean well you didn't apply for a job at Coca Cola, so you shouldn't eat. You did you didn't go out there and you know uh, dig a <laughs> dig a trench for the city, so you shouldn't eat. That that means you got to apply yourself. Because you know you no longer get that free stuff from your mama's breast, as Bob mentions. If you want to continue getting stuff when you get older, you've got to you know do some basic. That's that's words. how I took that Bible verse. That's how I understood it. The way you just explained it. That's that's what I heard when she said that. You, yeah, you don't have to get a job at Coca Cola. It just means you get on. You got to get off your butt and do something. Now in in Georgia or any farm, I think Leo can, can tell you this: is if it's winter time or something's out of season, it is great that man came together and formed these corporations to, hey, well, we can get it from overseas, or we can get it from another area. We can build a greenhouse. They have their place. But we have grown up into this system, and it's uh, it's it's become incorporated in our, in our lives. Huh? I so badly want to go out and get a tiller and a, what they call a hoe, H-O-E, and turn the land and grow. I love it. Like uh, like uh, Aaron was saying, he loves, he enjoys what he's doing. Does it give him food? No. But it's a system that gets money that he goes somewhere else and pays somebody else to get. I mean, it has its place. But I would just love to work the land, have a community like you mentioned with the water hole and stuff. That would be wonderful. I, I, I would like to I would like to meet up with with some people who are strong and intelligent and able to talk back to these people and say, hey, back off. We have a community here. We're strong. We're intelligent. We know what we're doing. We don't need any of your government supervision. We, we're ca- perfectly capable of farming and tilling the land, and we don't make demands on each other. We all contribute. And this is not the land of the forefathers who were the slave owners. This is a new land, a land where people are strong and intelligent. They're, we're courteous, we're respectful, and we help each other. And I would join in, a community like that in a heartbeat if I in could the find prodigal, In the prodigal son example, there's no probably no need to reference any kind of, hey, he's a customer. We want him back. They just know the role. And, uh, you know, you want to honor contracts, of course, but uh, most of these things are if you use a service, you pay for the service. That's just basic understanding the contract but well, uh, we have we have that we have that person or that system set up to tell the corporations leave us alone but uh, it's not as uh, easily to you know easy to explain yet but well every one of these uh it, can i just point out that every single one of these contracts these so-called contracts that people sign all through their lives only have one signature and it's yours and the, the fiction never signed the other there's no meeting of the minds all of these contracts are done in fraud and it's time to point it out. And this is what I do when I write letters to these people. I'm saying, look, this is fraud. You're committing fraud. The contract's a fraud, and you're a fraud. 
Now, until people can get strong enough and resilient enough to, to turn on these people and say, look, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're doing something wrong. When you turn off the water, when you say you're going to kick me out of the house, when you refuse to let homeless people move into a house that says owned by Wachovia Bank, you're doing something wrong. Why are you making these people believe that they're doing something wrong? You're doing something wrong. And we have to be able to point out, if these people continue to believe that they're in the right, say, well, we're turning off your water. You deserve it. And we're in the right and you're in the wrong. You, we have to be able to turn to them and say, no, you're doing something wrong. But do you know, I'm describing to you what it is they are doing wrong. They're committing fraud. It's identity fraud. So we, we have to be able to, you have to be able to turn the tables on each on these people and say no I'm not doing anything wrong you're doing something wrong but you have to know you have to be able to articulate it and point out exactly what it is that they're doing wrong they're committing fraud that's what they're doing wrong and they're using money as a tool to discriminate against people so if somebody has money huh they're, they're talking to Bob the customer they're not talking to you you, you know what I mean this is the dehumanization process. Now, now they're talking to a customer. They can't even recognize me as a human, a unique human being. Well, I, living it goes on this right planet. back to what you said. It goes right back to what you said. The only name on the bottom of that stupid agreement was yours, right? Through mm -hmm. what it means, it was mine and Roddy's. And we subscribe. We authorize all this crap that you're talking about. The, the ability for them to de dehumanize, discriminate, regulate, control. We authorize it with our, by agreeing to it. Don't you think? What's the quickest was, way to reverse that? I was thinking about something that might help reverse it. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely get out of the system. I was thinking about my grandfather and how we used to do things back in the old days, or he did anyway, is they would get what they call a deed to a, a lot or a plot of land and they would build on that land. They had the deed to the land, and then they would build upon it. You didn't have to worry about real estate people. And, and, and this thing called collateral. I, I've, heard, I've heard something like, if you want a loan or something or or whatnot, they would say, what do you have for collateral of value? It wasn't the house, but now you've got real estate people basically calling your property commercial real estate. So it may be a good thing to start getting the land first and building up on it. That way it's your property outright. And there's no real estate company saying, well, we have a bank and they own it and they have the certified title and all this crap mortgage. And what the hell is a mortgage? But when you, you look know? at a map, where where is there a – if you look at the map, you show me a plot of land that's not under local, state, or federal – uh, ownership to where they're going to say, oh, well, here's here's a bunch of land over here, and we call it southern Georgia, but there's a whole 5,000 acres. Of, we just don't care about it. Go ahead and build on it. We we have no – no, every single – this this all of this on the, all the earth, if you look at a map, that's they're cordoned it all off, and it's all under supervision, you, and it's all you, under ownership. Why can't you and me go go to that office that they believe all of their – land sits on paper and just say, oh, can I see that signature at the bottom of that uh, land deed that, that says Georgia owns this? And they can't show it to you, right? Yeah, so that did, means, did Georgia that means sign actually, it? Yeah, exactly. Did Georgia you can make a claim for a piece of property. Well, why couldn't we, kind of in the same lines of what Bob and Roddy are talking about, why couldn't we, yeah, just go claim a, a piece of property 
and and not violently at all to say, yeah, I, I like well, this what, one. What I was mentioning, and in, in the old days, Grandpa and stuff, they would have surveyors in the county would come out and survey it, and you would deed, they would deed it, you know, you would get the deed to it, and it would be recorded as this is yours. It wasn't registered, it was recorded, and they had the surveyors and stuff, the people that worked for the people, and uh, it was all to make sure everything was fair. So no real estate companies needed, no banks necessarily. If you had a bank, it was just a loan. It wasn't to take your house if you didn't make a payment. Yeah, I, I'm a better surveyor than any county government actor. I, I can go out and put stakes in the ground, draw a little map, uh, give notice, put a, put some notice outside my, uh, you know, a little fence that I build and say, I think this is uh, mine to use while I live here on this earth and any uh, resources on it, like the water, got a nice pond, I got a few trees I can cut down and build a house. Does anyone else want this piece? Oh, and Grandpa and some of my relatives had things called wells. They would dig a well, and the water that came out of the wells was nice and cold in the hottest summer. And you had your little silver dipper, you know. Silver was a key thing back in those days to help, like, tote your water in and stuff. But the silver, oh, it was soaked such good water. He didn't have to have a city pump it in. Yeah, groundwater is uh, still used everywhere. Oh, we would we would go to this little hillside area a few miles outside of town. It was called a spring, a natural spring, and you get your jugs. Oh, the water was ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, we're kind of getting a little off topic, but back to the water thing at, at uh, Bob's condo. They, they, what they're going to shut off, what they're threatening to shut off, is basically they're going to shut off their meter. Hey, it belongs to us. It's our meter. Yeah. And so you say... Go right ahead, shut your meter off, and then I'm just going to put a little T in below your meter and T it up to above your meter, and everyone's happy. Go get your own meter. <laughs> yeah, take your meter out of there, please. I'll put my own in. Thanks. And what they're going to what 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 uh, what what response would they have to that? Well, no, you're using our water now, and it goes that goes right back to what you're saying, Bob. It's whose water is it? So they're not going to make a claim to the water itself, but they're saying, did, "Oh, the delivery." Didn't you hear, did Did you hear Carl talk about that? Uh, me? No, I've always thought about no. that. Carl, Carl mentioned that. Get your own, get your own meter because uh, the way it looks, the only thing they're servicing is the is to come meet read the meter. That's when they want to put smart meters in to save money. If that it's your correct. meter, if it's your that meter. They they don't have any rights to to, to yeah listen uh, uh, Cheyenne there that's correct yeah I, and they don't even need a meter really but you could get one I guess yeah well you can you can do a few <laughs> different ways to make your own electricity as far as I mean there's tons of stuff on on uh, YouTube now, but right now, now when you get, I'm fighting, you get these go ahead I'm fighting uh, smart smart meter for the electric now they're also doing a smart meter on water. Yeah, well, but when, I have when a you get, well, when you, so I, I don't have to worry about that. When you get these meters now, you don't want to cause them any damage. It's good to, uh, you know, say, hey, this is the plan. Have one of your professionals come out and remove your meter. Like if you want to generate your own electricity and you're hooked right. to the grid, you don't want to electrocute right. them. Right. Well, you get a professional to do it. But I, I know of many people that have done that. Um, they bought it online. And they got a professional to hook it up, and then they told the, their uh, electric company, come and get your meter, or I'm going to be charging you 500 a day. Yeah, because you're using their meter. Right. That's all it is. 
So there are some ways around that, even though the general consensus of the public, the mass, and, and the, the so-called law would say, oh, now you're a criminal. But if you ask the right questions, like I think Bob, Bob and we're all trying to get at, what are the right questions to ask or answers that we're looking for? It would be, well, whose electricity is it? Whose water is it? If they yeah. can't answer that question, then... <laughs> Right. You're going. No. You're going to say, "Whose meter is this?" Oh, it's the prodigal son's. We can't touch him. He's not. Hey, you know, he's the, the prodigal meter, son. The meter can be theirs all day long. That's fine. Like you said, take, go ahead and take your meter. That's fine. But what about the the natural resource inside? Right now, Tesla was one who said, well, "I want to be able to distribute electricity to everyone for free because it's it's here for us all to use." Come on, let's just share it. I'll, I'll devise a way. And of course, we've all heard the story of Tesla. And they yeah. said, no, we're going to meter it and we're going to charge people. And they have to pay us in a particular kind of coin of currency. This is what bothers me a lot, is they don't mm -hmm. even follow their own rules. So I have no problem sending back a piece of paper. They want to send out a bill, I'll sign it and send it back as a remittance. i got no problem with that. But when they turn to me and say, no, now you have to pay it in a particular kind of coin of currency, and I go, look, at here's the laws of the United States. You're going directly against your own laws. It says you says you don't have the right to demand payment in gold or a particular kind of coin or currency. And they're saying, well, if you don't pay it the way we order, we're going to shut it off. Well, now you got me over barrel. Have they written you back a letter saying something to that effect? Uh, um, if you don't pay in dollars, we're going to shut off. Like what? What? How far are they going to expose yeah. themselves as being? Okay. Yeah. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the wording here. Let me open up this, this letter. I got a lot of these letters from these people. Let me. It was the uh, which one was it? The uh, Edison. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed from uh, Vanessa Kirkwood, dear SEE customer account number so and so. Uh, it says uh, in accordance with SEE CPUC approved rule number nine, rendering of payments. The documents you submitted as payments toward your SEE account are, and they put in quotations, are not acceptable forms of payment. Therefore, these documents are being returned to you as a courtesy. And they sent back all of the uh, remittance and, and all the paperwork I sent them, the letter. Did you send them a letter asking them what is acceptable and see how far they'll go to say you owe us dollars, Federal Reserve notes? Yeah, I, I responded. Here's my letter of response here. I sent them a... Normally, what they do is say, well, we accept payment by credit card, cash, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, we but, only accept payment in these forms. Yeah, but that doesn't specify what kind of payment, right? That, that's, just, that's just the how. Well, the language, the language here in the public laws, uh, I have a copy of the entire uh, transcript of the 73rd Congress, uh, mm -hmm. Chapter 48. And on page 113, it says uh, the, the wording is every provision contained in or made with respect to any obligation which purports to give the obligee a right to require payments in gold or a particular kind of coin or currency or in an amount in money of the United States measured thereby is declared to be against public policy. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because nobody has the right to demand payment in gold or any particular kind of coin or currency or in an amount in money of the United States. Especially not a fiction. Hey, uh, well, I got a question for you. Uh huh. 
Can I inter- interrupt? <laughs> sure. Who's that, Al? Hi, Al. Hey, Sonia. Hi. I'm late. One of those days. Uh, helping the buddy get ready for court on Monday. But anyways, um, <clears throat> see, I have a friend up here on the north of the 49th <clears throat> who's been uh, sending his remittance in for years. and uh, But he sends his to the finance minister, I believe, uh, through the finance minister. Um, so they worked a deal with him that uh, he used to send them steady and then they worked a deal with him that he would get his remittance farms once a year through the power company and such and then uh, he just sends it to them once a year rather than every month for for electrical this is for electricity uh, this for all this stuff this electricity food uh Power. So he uses a post office visa to buy his food with, right? Um, <clears throat> to keep track. Because, well, I heard you say a, say a key word because the, the 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 natural resources of the land belong to the people. And so uh, the way I understand is that, um, like for us up here, uh, basically, it is paid off to the queen who gives it to the crown in trust, and the crown lends it back to the corporate body politic to run their run Canada kind of thing. But uh, we have a right, you know, the people born here have a right to send their remittance form in through the uh, Minister of Finance, which goes to the Auditor General. And until you have claimed such a right, until you have allowed them, that all your patrimony is actually going to a public representative for, you know, their power, their car, their gas, their rent and everything as they represent the people. And so I was just wondering, uh, without getting too complex, is like you're sending yours back to the company or you're sending yours to, I don't know if you have an auditor general or or, or the uh, finance no, I, or what? I, I send the remittance, the fictional payment, the fictional remittance. I send, yeah, that back to, yeah. I send that back to the men and women that are committing fraud. That's who I address it to. To the men and women committing fraud. Well, Here's the fictional payment. Hmm? Who, who's the men and women committing fraud? Anyone that claims to be something that they're not. Anyone pretending to be something other than who they really are. So Somebody's going to try to convince me that there's something other than you, and you're sending back a remittance, expecting them not to defraud you a second time. Is that what you're saying? They're sending a remittance to a customer. These people are playing the role of a service provider, and they're sending a fictional bill to a fictional character called a customer. I sign it off, and I say, "Okay, I'll play this game with you. I'll turn this into a remittance." And I'm sending it back. I'm not sending it back to a cartoon character. I'm sending it back to real men and women. Here you go. I'm sending this. We're playing this game, right? So I'm sending this remittance, this fictional payment, back to who am I sending it to? I'm not sending it to a cartoon character. I'm sending it to the men and women that are committing fraud. That's okay, what I well, up to. here, up here the, the couple guys I do know that actually do this, uh, John Spirit being one of them, um, sends his for set off... Uh, to the through the finance minister, um, that's who he sends it to. 
Well, have you ever then had they, a finance minister? He reimbursed minister? his uh, post office visa or whatever for, for whatever he spent there. Okay, well, the, the first thing is if somebody can convince you that you're interacting with a finance minister or any other fictional character. Well, the man who's operating as a finance minister, sir. Right, there's a man. There's a man that you're dealing with. And the man, anyone in society is committing fraud. Because the nature of the game is, in order to play, a, in order to enter into society, the step number one is to adopt a false persona. That's step number one. That's why, why we it, always why? call people by their their uh, th by these titles. Well, why is That's, why is the title false? How do you come to that conclusion? How, so you're saying that? Like that, the title of finance, say say. You're saying uh, that then well, I become the I get appointed the finance minister position. How am I being false being the finance minister? Are you trying to convince people that you actually are a finance minister in real life? Well, no, I'm acting as one from uh, nine to five, five days so a week. You, so you're pretending to be something that you're not from nine to five. You're pretending you're putting on a false persona. If that was really? your true persona. If that was who you really were, you wouldn't have to put on an act, would you? You wouldn't have to put on a costume and a name tag. And a it, persona it, is an act. Like like it's when an I act. work as a when I work as a mechanic on on Harley's, uh, that's my persona as the mechanic. But I'm not a false persona. It's, it's what I do. I mean, nine to five, five days a week, I get paid for doing it, my work. Well, you're a man, and you do a lot of different things. You drink water, and you kick a ball, and you slam a door. But you, that doesn't—you don't turn into a door slammer. That's not what you are. You're a man that does things. You work on Harley's. That's something that you do. It's not what you are. It's something that you well, do. Doesn't the finance minister? Doesn't the man or woman who acts as finance minister do the finances? And or do they? Just, are you saying they just pretend to? Well, finances are. Uh, what what are finances? Are we talking about what? Are we talking about money and currency? We're we talking about numbers again. Well, we're talking. See, what, about what are we really talking about? What are these people really doing? You claim as value is money. I mean, money is whatever whatever you believe is value. That is money. My my time and my labor are money. Uh, if I trade you my car for your dog, that's money. If I, well, I really, if you believe that the, up here we got plastic uh, plastic notes. And if you believe that uh, my plastic notes uh, have value, that's money. Well, I, I get the definition of money from the people that literally wrote the book on money. The people that published the Federal Reserve publications, they wrote the book on what money is. And they say something different than what you're saying. So what, who am I, am I supposed to believe you or the people that wrote the book on money? I don't know. What did they say? <laughs> I read what it earlier. I guess You just joined the call, is, right? I already is read it. Is fiction that it's pretend? It says, Modern Money Mechanics, a quote, says, a dollar bill is just a piece of paper, deposits merely book entries. I'll read yeah. you a couple more excerpts here. The people yeah. that wrote the book on money say money is nothing more than numbers, transaction balances, bookkeeping entries. Numbers. There we go. I've read okay. that book, actually. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about when we're talking about money? Are we talking about numbers? No, we're talking pay? about anything that you value is money. Whatever you put a value on is money. Like, like my labor is money. Well, so you, you're you're self-proclaiming that it's money. You're the one saying this, right? Baloney. The ocean, the ocean is worth is is priceless. I mean, you can't put a value on the ocean. Come on now, or so, or you know, so forest of trees. So is it free or does it cost money? It shouldn't cost anything because it don't belong to anyone. 
Now, when when do we start claiming ownership, and when do we start saying that things do cost money? When do we cross that line? I go out in the wilderness and I claim a tree, and and I let everybody know that I claimed a tree, or put a put a sign on the tree, and I claim it as mine. Unless somebody else comes by with a higher claim, I guess it's my tree. So you're just claiming that it's yours. It's you're self-proclaiming that that's yours, and you're in it. No, no, I'm quickly claiming that it's mine. You, you, sorry, uh, what was Somebody that? else has a claim to that tree. Let him come forth and, and, and claim, and then we'll we'll work it out. So you're making a claim, and you're waiting for somebody to come along and counterclaim your claim. No, no, no. I'm waiting for somebody to come by with a higher claim. Excuse me, uh, friends. Yeah. Sonia, um, I liked the idea a few minutes ago that you um, I I, lo- I love this conversation. It, it's cool, but I'm kind of. Um, curious here we were on a subject of a solution and and i like that you know and when um uh, bob and alan when you were talking about um, the solution as far as um, sending in the remittance 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 okay it's getting late um yeah could you could you just go back there would, would right. That be, would that be okay? Like, yes, to me, I agree. Like, the solutions are what we're looking solution, for. And, and we don't get to many of them. And when we see a solution working, like yeah. uh, I, I really like to hear it, and I'm, I'm really interested in, in, in this because, uh, which it, I'm sure everybody is, if uh, you know, we're send, if somebody's sending back remittance, and uh, Al, if you you say your friend was sending sending them back to the. The finance minister. I've heard about that before too. Like when I was studying it, they were sending like about five letters out to, and one was to the finance minister, and there was about five of them. They sent five letters out all at once. I mean, it was. I think that was Robert Menard's uh, technique. I maybe not. But uh, do you, do you mind if we play with that uh, a little bit more before you get and you can go back into claiming trees? Yeah. Could could you explain to me when when you, you were you the one that sent in these these uh, these payment instruments or was it somebody else? I'm curious to know the language. I I'll read you the language that I use on mine, but I'm curious to know what's the language that you used on yours, or was it someone else that did this? Bob, hey Bob, you you mentioned something a while ago, and I posted in the chat, and I was waiting, hoping someone would mention it, but no one has, because I guess they don't understand it. When you do your remittance. In their system of law, there's only two types of instruments that are acceptable, bear instruments and order instruments. Now, you, if you do your instrument, you have to make it one or the other. That's why they wrote you back and say your instruments aren't, you know, we can't accept them because you didn't you know, specify which instrument, pay to the order, pay to the bear. It's that simple. Oh, well, let me, let, me read you, let me read you the language on this. Let me call it up right here. That's why I'm curious about what he wrote on his. I'll read you the language of how I write these up. Uh, here's one at random. Here's one for 4737. It says Southern California Edison. This is a, it says uh, customer account number, so-and-so amount due by this date. So this this has all the information on it. It's uh, it's the size, I cut off the coupon, so it's the size of a, a check or, you know, what a, you know, you know what they look like. It says, it says uh, please write this number on your check. Make your check payable to Southern California Edison. Uh, and then it has the uh, address and everything. What else here? Amount enclosed. And then it has the post. Okay, so it has all the information on here. So what I write across the top of it is remittance. I write remittance right across the top. 
and then I find a space here, a blank space, and then I write pay to colon Southern California Edison. Then under that, the amount of colon, and then I write in the amount, and then from, like on a check, you'll see that on the check where you from, and then I sign it. And then I write across it at a 90 at a 45 degree angle, accept it for value, um, return for value and consideration, and then I date it, and then sign it. So it says specifically pay to Southern California Edison the amount of so and so from, and then the signature. Now the reason well, I write the reason I write accepted for value is because because it says on this piece of paper there's an amount on it. They printed 4737. So who's going to decide how much this piece of paper is worth? Well, somebody decided it was worth 4737 because that's what it says right here. So I wrote in, I wrote in that I, I'm accepting it for that value, and I'm returning it for value and consideration. I'm returning this piece of paper as having a value of 4737, and I'm sending it in as consideration. Here you go. It's a remittance. It's a payment well, instrument. Well, you, you said some things already that I think nullify what you're doing. First of all, they sent you an instrument, and then when, when you alter it or change it in any way, you deface the instrument. You done. You ruined it. So you need to do an allonge. That's what a banker does all the time. They do a banker's allonge. They take a separate piece of paper and don't write anything on the instrument. And they keep it all as one. They don't separate it. So instead of cutting, I, what I do is I cut it off. So you're saying leave it all as yeah, leave one it all full one page and, a, a and, don't, and don't touch the bottom part. Don't touch anything on their page. You, you take a de separate blank piece of paper and write the necessary information on your piece, piece of paper. So everything that I just told you that I wrote here, write that on a separate piece of paper. Yes. And what, yes, staple, it. staple it to this original? No, 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 huh? staple. No, don't staple it. Uh -huh. a, a paper clip, you know, and okay, then do a, 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 do a mailing, a witness mailing, you know, or somebody to witness your mailing and have someone mail it for you. You got witnesses, yeah, I, you need a witness. Yeah, I've, I've never had anyone uh, uh, dispute whether or not they got it. They always admit that they got it. That's never been an issue with me. They always say, yeah, we got it. We're just not accepting it. <laughs> well, let, me, I mean, let, me ask you, let me ask you one question, though. When you say don't deface it or write anything on it, um, it, it, says, it says amount due by, and then it has the amount, and then it says amount enclosed. And don't people normally write in the amount there? That would be defacing it, wouldn't it, when you write yeah, in the sure. amount on it? Yeah. Is that, so that's defacing it. Yeah, I wouldn't write anything on it. I would just put all the you, – you have more than enough information to put on your own separate piece of paper and, and make your own instrument. Don't touch there. Just do it an attachment. It's a banker's allongement. They take a separate piece of paper, and they deposit it as a book entry. It's a it's an attachment. You don't now, write anything the, in there. Okay, so the reasoning behind that would be that the, 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 the separate piece of paper, the blank paper that I write all this information on, does that now become the the discharge instrument? Well, both of them together. Both of them together create yeah. a discharging instrument. Yeah. Well, I was uh, under the presumption you, you do this as a regular practice. Uh, yeah, I do. And I've had people uh, uh, back off, but I've never, ever had anyone zero out the account and say this account has now... I've heard people say they've discharged it or we're no longer going to pursue this, or I've had them back off. 
but I've never had anyone say we've discharged it and zeroed out the account. That's what you happened. need to do, what, and something else you need to try that I think would work for you every time is, is just to send it to the Treasury because all debts are obligations in the United States. You send the original to the Treasury, and then you send the power company a, a courtesy copy. You let them know that you sent it to the Treasury. Of course, they're going to know the way you did your launch and everything. And that way, you got, you know, the, the Treasury is going to, they have to accept it. They, they I mean, don't have any problems. You turned off your power. Well, take them to court. No, no, I'm just asking how many times have they turned off your power over this? Oh, me? No. When I they they I've never had anything from the power, but the water department has come out two different times and put a notice of disconnect. And when they do that, I go right down there and hand them the fiat paper. I go, "Here you go." Cuz I don't want that I don't want the power oh, so you're going to pay. No, okay. I yeah, I I give them the I give them the Federal Reserve notes when when they say we're turning it off in 10 days, I give them that. And then I go back to this, and then I go back to this, and and so the, the, this water and power just I just haven't been able to make any headway with these guys. Okay, what I, what I was talking about was more of having it discharged through the I think it's through the Auditor General, which you have to access up here through the Finance Minister. Yeah, I'm wondering the so if I send it to the U.S. Treasury, I think I could get a hold of an address for that. Um, John, John oh, taught uh, me how to do this, and uh, my wife and I, just for fun, we were, uh, did practice it for a bit, um, because it, it's uh, it's like <laughs> it's all through their statutes and enactments. But um, you're saying John you've done got, it though. John got busted by the government for teaching other people because he was warned not to. And they did cut him off a couple of years ago for about a month or two months. And then they brought it back uh, with them. So he kept his promise with them because they basically told them, well, you know, we can fuck with you longer than you can live. So, you know, <laughs> and so he stopped teaching. But I you know, I still got the course and stuff that he printed up for me and taught me. I think I actually even got him on video on it. But that was more of a discharge, right? And it has something to yeah. do with our patrimony. Well, there's only discharge. There, there is no. You can't pay for anything under this. Under the, if you're going to use the monetary system, it's a fictional system. But if you're going to use it, there, you, we don't. Since 1933, there's been no more bills and payments. That's why when they send a bill, it's confusing, because there's only charge and discharge now. Yeah, right? and I understand. Bookkeeping entries. I understand. So I have a, I have a question for Al. This is Leo here. Hey, Leo. Al. Yeah, Al. Yes, so please. let's say, let's say you work 10 hours on my bike. Okay, you're 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 pretending to be a mechanic or whatever, and then you send me and so then you send better, me an invoice. I better do better now, that. I know, I know, I know. I can get then, killed in my industry. Yeah, but then you send me an invoice. Let's say you 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 charge me a hundred bucks an hour. You spent ten hours. It's a thousand dollar invoice. Okay. Part right. Okay. So and then and then I get your invoice in the mail and I go, oh, beautiful. I write on it. I take another piece of paper. I write accepted for value. Blah blah blah. Whatever, and I mail it back to you. Now, that would be, like, you'd have a piece of paper with remittance, but I think your logic is if I send that to the Minister of Finance, then the Minister of Finance would look at my piece of paper saying accepted for value, and then the Canadian government would send you the fiat money to pay off. I no, no, the, no? The, the difference for, for discharge and A for V are two different things. That's that's two different things going on there, A for V and, and uh, sending for discharge. no. You'd have to pay your bill. You wouldn't get your fucking bike back, number one. 
and whatever it is that we agreed upon uh, as payment, you know. So yeah. Maybe it was your but best source. But this boss in California, he's not paying his, his electricity or water or whatever because he's doing his acceptance for value or remittance. So Just because the man the you're talking between... to, the guy you're talking to isn't a fiction, though. He's a real man. I'm sending these fictional payments to a fictional character. That's the difference. This guy's well, going to say, I, this I, guy's I, not going to accept an acceptance for value because he's not a fiction. Well, the way I understand, like, well, the government's a creation of ours, okay, number one, okay? And the way I understand that that um, the um, remittance works, it is a discharge because they are um, they are making money or they are pulling income or they are pulling money or whatever value from um, our natural resources, and in return they had promised to make sure that uh, that our needs were covered. And that was part of that deal in 1933. So <clears throat> my understanding is that they get paid twice. They send the remittance forms in uh, to the finance minister as well as collect our, you know, phony money or whatever you want to call it, right? So, so <clears throat> through the, the, the enactments, it actually shows you, <laughs> and it's like a, it's like a web. And it actually shows you through the enactments how to discharge um, the remittance through your public representatives, through the, the system that we created uh, in exchange for them um, collecting on our, our natural resources. Because all the, all the natural resources belong to, to, to the men and women that are of the land, right? And and so they're collecting on it. And then because nobody has stood up to say, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm not lost at sea, I'm over 18, all that stuff, um, rather than having a trustee um, operate it for you, giving it to a public representative on your behalf, they would have to start discharging these things on your behalf. And so that's that's my basic, simple concept of the whole thing. Like I said, I didn't get too far into it. My wife and I did play with it a few years back when we were studying uh, human rights law. And uh, we didn't get too far with it, but, you know, whatever. Well, these, yeah, these I, people I, are I, tough. I my pills, man. These, these people are tough. Uh, they, they, they have a pretty dogmatic approach to it. Uh, Sonia, uh, yeah. if I, can I get your – I'd like to send you something. It's. Uh, I have two copies of the one is a le one is a lecture and one is an instruction manual uh, by this uh, major D H Boughton General Staff. This is on the law of negotiable instruments, and in this uh, the law of negotiable instruments, the origin of the law merchant, and it goes through. It breaks down here. He one 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 is is a book on how to do this. I'm looking at it right now, and it shows you how to accept it. November seventeenth, you know. Henry Stills and Company, it shows you how to write out these negotiable instruments. It shows you the correct way. One's called an inland bill of exchange. One's called a uh, forms, bills, notes, and checks. Uh, another one's called a promissory note. Another one's called a check. And it actually describes, and this is uh, from a, a U.S. Army, uh, let me see, let me look up here. It's uh, Army School of the, of, of the Line Department of Law. 
uh, adopted by direction of the commandant for use in the uh, service schools at Fort Leavenworth. And this is the actual printout of the book on the law merchant, and it shows you how to write out these instruments. Sweet. So these are some of the things that I've used in my research. I'd like to send a copy to you so you can take a look at it and see see how they write out these. Uh, they, they, they have diagrams. They show you pictures of it, and they show you how to write these out. And that's yeah. where I got my inspiration. I also listen to people like Doug Riddle and a lot of these other guys who, you know, and I put it all together, and uh, this is what I came up with, and this is why I do it this way. Now, this idea that you're saying about stapling a blank piece of paper to the to the uh, billing instrument, I'm willing to try it because I've never had these people accept it and say, oh, okay, this is acceptable. It's never happened to me. Even though they go away and leave me alone, that's not good enough. I want them to accept it. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to try out new things. Yeah, I'm just typing something in here for someone that's having trouble. Was that, was that for me or the other guy? <clears throat> because I got a book I wouldn't mind sending you, and I'll do it through Sonia. Um, uh, uh -huh. It's a Banker's Secret Handbook. Yeah. It was printed by a banker, uh, a, a major banker, and... Uh, he printed it, and basically, I don't know, there was a hit on him. So he promised not to publish any more in public, but I got a copy of this, and it's it's quite the interesting book, man. <laughs> it really is. Is it in PDF form? That's what I have. My, the two books I have are in PDF. That's why I can send it as an attachment. Uh, this one is... No, this one shows the book in the pages. Not it's so much a, but it's a, a printout on a on a document that you can send. But it's what, it's pretty. What was it called out? The Banker's Bank Bank Secret Handbook. Yeah, I yeah, think you can just get that online. It's for it, free. You can still get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was uh, it was quite on the uh, down low there for quite a while. I felt I felt pretty privileged to get it, Claudio. It's really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. I think the guy who wrote it's dead now. Yeah, I'd appreciate that information. Uh, uh, Bob, I'd love to, to check it out. And um, this banker's handbook, I think I, I I may have it somewhere on my computer. I'm I'm not sure, but I'm I'm interested in that too. Yeah, I'd like to, to learn this. I think it's uh, cool having a conversation on this because, um, like I said, I've studied a little bit about it too and, tried to write some things out, but I was too afraid to send anything out because I thought, oh, I'll get charged with something. <laughs> but uh, I my was... Experience, my experience has been if you if you keep in contact with these people and you keep writing back to them and keep it real cordial and just have the attitude, if I made a mistake, please point it out to me. Where did I make the mistake? And these people really don't get hostile. They they They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, don't, don't. I, I understand the trepidation and the fear that they're going to retaliate or take action or, you know, send you legal pay. That, that's not been my experience, though. If you, if you just keep in touch with them and keep responding to them, they're, they're pretty reasonable. Yeah, no, this book, this book is, I'm talking about isn't the legalized crime of banking. It's, it's something else altogether. Yeah, no, I'd be interested now. I am. Um, I put my email up and 
on the chat board here, but um, I know some are on the phone, but I'll give you my email. Um, well, if, we're connected through Skype anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool, but uh, I don't mind giving out this one email because I've got other ones and I haven't had any problem giving my email out. It's, okay. Uh, it's just the way it sounds. I do uh, engraving. It's called Fine Lines Engraving. Fine Lines Engraving at Hotmail.ca. Engraving. Fine Lines Engraving at Hotmail.ca. Might be cool. No, not Modern Money Mechanics. Well, that's the book that Buddy was just talking about, actually. Oh, I was just reading the chat, sorry. No, that's all right. I'm looking at it, too. I had a friend that um, used the... the um, the back number of the social security number to purchase, but he ended up getting greedy. He went down to a car lot dealership and told a lot of his family and friends to meet him down there. He'll buy them all brand new cars, and that's when the cops came. And he was looking at 13 years in jail. Um, and this was, he, he handed them, what did he do? Did he hand them a, a payment instrument right there on the spot? Is that what he's doing? He was, using, he was just using the back number of his, either the birth certificate or social security number. On the back, on the back of it. On the back and of it, the... And it, and it did work. And he was going out and buying TVs and all kinds of stuff, but then he got greedy. Yeah, yeah. They, they say that red number on the back of our birth certificate is um, like... Um, a number that the the government uses us, us as collateral. That that number is uh, something that the government uses, you know, using us for collateral. Just just a public note. Uh, yeah, it's a valuable warehouse instrument. But uh, just for a public note, anything that or most everything that uh, Winston Shroud has uh, has taught and learned came from guys in jail for this shit, eh? Just tell you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there is yeah. a number behind your um, social security, and that's the one he used. Social insurance card, you're saying, eh? Yeah. But the most legitimate one I've seen, and I see work without the guy being in jail, and I know he does it. I've seen it. I'm a witness to it. Is is John, and uh, and he, yeah, he um, he uh, gets reimbursed for his patrimony through the 96, through the remittance, through the government, through the proper channels. Wow. Yeah. What, the GSA, 96? I don't know, whatever the 96 is on all those remittance. That, I mean, that's what he does. He, he sends them off for discharge. Yeah, that's what Robert Menard used to say would be uh, 96 is your fixed. Yeah, but I don't think Rob... I don't think Rob has ever, <laughs> ever done it successfully. Honestly, I don't think he has. Yeah, I don't know either. That's why I was leery about uh, trying it. Yeah. I mean, Rob seems to be a good guy, and he's oh, yeah. funny. But uh, And he's gotten away with some stuff, and, and he does some. He has done some pretty cool stuff in the past, but uh, like that uh, nightclub they opened up that wasn't licensed and stuff, and 
it was private, and there wasn't much <laughs> much the government could do about it. Cops really wanted to bust the place <laughs> in, in Vancouver, but uh, they couldn't. Well, like like I say, my my approach is if you if you're really sincere with them, and you and you, all you're doing is trying to neutralize a charge. That's all you're trying to do is discharge an existing charge. And if you're real sincere with these guys and treat them good and respond every time they write, always respond back to them, and let them know, to the best of my knowledge, this is what I'm supposed to do, and this is why I send out, I include this uh, California Commercial Code and the Public Laws of the United States and the Federal Reserve publications. I'm writing to them sincerely saying, these publications are instructing me to do it this way. Now, have I made a mistake? This is the kind of the approach that I have. And I don't think you have to, there, nobody's going to kill you for making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Ask them, where where did I make the error? If, if there's an error here, please point it out to me. No, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, I've done that myself right in court. And I said, forgive me, <laughs> I'll do better next time. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> you know? But, like, how successful have you been? Uh, very successful. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the the IRS was giving me a lot of trouble for years, and uh, when I started writing them out like this, they just totally backed off. So did the California Franchise Tax Board. So did the Long Beach Superior Court. So did the county courthouse up here over uh, uh, voting registration threats. So did a dozen credit cards. And um, all of these people uh, uh, have just backed right off. The ones I'm really having a problem with is the water and power. Those guys just will not accept these, and they won't leave me alone. They're just... Yeah, but do you think the lower... The, like, I mean, say you got a job, right, and somebody sends you something, you don't understand any of it. You think you're going to stick to to the rules that you learn for your job description, or, you know, like, what I'm saying is, do you think the lower echelons of people who work in these places understand anything you're doing? Oh, if a high school graduate... Um, went and got a job at the IRS, and, and they said, okay, you're in charge of opening the envelopes, put all I the receipts over here. Of course, they're going to open it up and say, I don't know what this is. But I do expect, I do expect somebody who plays the role of a finance manager or a chief financial officer. If I turn to the passengers in, a, in an airplane and say, do you know how to operate this airplane? I don't expect them to know. But if I go up and the guy's playing the role of pilot, I expect him to know what this stuff means. So I'm oh, writing these letters, and I'm saying, no, I expect you guys to know what this means. So you're, huh? heading, you're heading up the CEO on this stuff. I'm I'm sending it to uh, uh, the the people right now. I'm sending these things to are the the the, the people that play the role of chief financial officer, oh, vice cool. president vice president of financial affairs, and the billing manager. I send them multiple copies, and I so I want to make sure you get these letters, read them, and tell me where I went wrong. Here's the remittance. Now, why haven't you discharged this? I Did you hear about the guy that was depositing his remittance into his bank account as checks? I don't know what these people do. With you his haven't paperwork. heard about that? Oh, okay. They got away with it, and then the bank came down on him, but uh, I can't remember what happened to him after. I think he just got away with it, period, actually, but for only for a time. Right? He got one from the IRS and a remittance for him for X amount of dollars and put it into his bank account. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we we know that these people are like this this condo here. We I believed that I was paying it off for 25 years. We were paying it. I believed it, and then I found out all this stuff right when we were making our last payments to pay it off. I found out all this is a fraud, 
And sure enough, when they send the, the contract back, right, the original signed contract, right. of course, of course, I get a Xerox copy of it. And so, I'm, I'm, of course, these people, they're not even following their own rules. It's all fraud. Or are you talking about the actual, uh, like, promissory note you wrote for? Yeah, for right. The, right. the one that, that allegedly was supposed to have my signature on it. And when you turn it over on the back, it says, um, uh, what do they, they say when the banks uh, send these to each other? It had that right on the back of it. Uh, See, yeah, I'm I, really glad you brought that up because uh, my brother, Tony. Oh, it says, it says without recourse on the back. And then it had the, the, that bankers up, without recourse, right? Which, le- which shows that they had used this as some kind of financial instrument. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you brought it up because my brother had paid off his house a few years ago and he never got his note back. I said, when are we going to have the mortgage printing party? He says, what are you talking about? Well, where's your note? They have to give you back the note. Now, listen, it's it's a holder in due course rule here. So if you didn't get your fucking note back, that means somebody else still holds the note. And you're liable to that man or woman who holds that freaking note for whatever they paid for it. And, of course, they, if they did come back on to you, like the, the little old lady in New York a few years back after the 09 crash and stuff, she had paid off her house oh, shit, in the 80s. She had a disabled son, and who was like 40. She was like 70. And uh, and the sheriff came out and kicked her out. And she didn't know why, because her house had been paid off for years. But somebody, she never got the note back when she paid it off. So somebody claimed the note, had court in her absence, and the sheriff had to show up and throw her out. And um, he was a holder in due course of this thing. Now, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to get too obscure here, but uh, this is what I'm on Tony about. I was like, Tony, you better get a hold of <laughs> the president of the bank, the man who acts as president of the bank here, because you require your note. Otherwise, your note's still floating around. Somebody's running around claiming uh, that they, they they have so much value and own a part of your house because of that freaking note. Now, I mean, if he ever went to court with such a thing, you know, he... If you if you called him out in court, he would have to show what he paid for the note, and that's all you would have to pay back. But and you would have to pay it because he is holder in due course. In return, you would have to sue the man or woman uh, acting as president of that bank for your money back, which is actually kind of cool. So like Tony's Tony's been working it out here recently, and sending some letters to the president and the. Um, I think it was chief financial officer of of the credit union where he, you know, he had his mortgage for 25 years and uh, calling in for that note. Otherwise, they owe him every frickin' penny he paid if they can't produce it. And he's getting ready to, he's he's building up and getting ready and learning and uh, to get ready to take him to court because somebody could call in his mortgage at any time, whoever holds that frickin' note. And a copy of the note just don't cut it. And actually, not only does the copy of the note not cut it, but you have a right uh, for the chain of command of that frickin' note. Where has it been? Whose safe has it been in? Who's handled this? Right? Who's made copies of this? <clears throat> chain of custody, I think it's called, actually. Now, yeah, no, that's really to... you brought that up, because a lot of people are getting screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense, though. Makes total sense. Um. Somebody wanted me to ask Aaron a question with regards to what you're so talking about, and I just got to find the question here. Um, that Aaron, um, 
apparently um, you were talking a little bit about this friend, about this uh, remittance and stuff like that, voucher remittance. And, is that true? Did you have something you might want to share? I wasn't talking about remittance at all. I don't know anything about it. Oh, okay. Except that remit means to send back. <laughs> That's it. Okay. No, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just trying to uh, watch the chat board here and make sure everybody, you know, if they've got something they want to ask, you know, it's brought up. Not everybody's on the phone. Okay. I'm sorry, gentlemen, for interrupting. One thought I do have on remittance and uh, what uh, Al is uh, teaching us here and, and Bob is providing is one thought I have is the fictional banking world only applies to social personas. Yes. It does not apply to a man. So right. you're still kind of acting in that system but finding a way, you, you know what I mean, hmm. using their system, their rules, their laws, their definitions to... Well, there, ha- there has to, to be a way to acknowledge this, this system without participating in it. And this is why when I t- people talk to me, I say, yes, I'm the one using that information. What would you like to know about that information? Because we're only talking about something on paper. You're not talking about me. We're talking about that information. What would you like to know about that information? I make a very clear delineation between what they're looking at on paper, the fictional world, and me, the guy you're talking to. What's not clear to them, though, they, they, they cannot make any distinction between what's on that paper and what you say is not on that paper. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you. It's not clear to them. They they want to talk to a taxpayer. They want to talk to a customer. They and have I say, to. wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. I've, I used to, back in the day, back years ago, I would call the IRS office, and they'd get on the phone, and I'd say, I would like to talk about this account. Here's the account number. Here's the Here's the letter. Here's all the information. Here's the security information. I'd like to talk to you about this. And they'd say, are you the taxpayer? And I'd say, well, I'm not identifying myself as that information or as a taxpayer. I want to talk to you about it. I'm using it. And they say, we can't talk to anyone but a taxpayer. <laughs> yeah, I would and, be on the yeah. phone of those folks anyways. I'd intercourse by uh, by post. That way, that way you get everything signed and, and dated and stuff uh, through writing, and you have a man or a woman that you can deal with uh, in writing. Well, it has to did be guys, on paper. Huh? Did you guys ever hear of Chris Clemens? Yes, I have. And he's got the IRS one YouTube when he was talking to him. And yeah, Chris went is from down. California. He's that crazy tattooed guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But he has he has it on YouTube as. Uh, while he was on the phone with the um, IRS, and she walked him down uh, step by step. I heard that convers. I heard that call. But right. but then at the end of it, <laughs> they still went after him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he probably got in trouble for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he got in trouble with that house he was uh, squatting. Well, I yeah. think I think home. women that, that from the IRS got in trouble as well. <laughs> probably. Hey, he's crazy, man. I like that guy. He's a character. Yeah. Hey, he's out there trying. Yeah, and that's good for him. Right. Yeah, is he for, he's he not doing anything. 
I, I think he's got a lot of wires crossed still. Like he's still trying to figure it out, but he's he's plugging away at it. He's trying his best. Hey, it's a hit and miss. Yeah. What works and what doesn't. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of my favorite sayings that I actually stole from Carl. Actually, he gave it to me. It was like, uh, I'll do better next time. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, forgive me. I'll do better next time. What are they going to say? No, I'm not going to forgive you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh. I use it all the time. It's great, too, because I do mean it. Hey, look, if I screwed up here, you know, forgive me, man. I'll do better next time and keep studying. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody's going to – everybody can make an error or a mistake. And if that's all it is is a mistake, well, let's correct it and move forward. And that's what I keep asking these people. If if there's a mistake, you know, I, well, you're deliberately defrauding. Or we're gonna, no, no, it's a mistake. If, there, if there's a mistake, point it out and I'll fix it. No problem. I'm trying to keep everything as neutral as possible. But there is, I, I, I do believe that there is something there. And like I say, my buddy John, I've known him for about five years, and uh, he's got a he's got a, a thing on YouTube called Eternally Aware, or he's got a site called Eternally Aware. Okay, but, uh, I'm going to write that down, or we're going to put that in the chat board. Thanks, Al. Yeah, he doesn't live too far from you. Well, he was in Quebec, now he's in New Brunswick. And actually... He, through his patrimony, when he moved from Quebec to uh, to New Brunswick, he had the government pay for his land, pay for the, uh, I think it was a module home or something that he put on the place and set up his power and everything else. And then right after that, he got cut off uh, from using his patrimony because they caught him teaching guys like me how to do it. <laughs> and there was a few of us, and because uh, he had promised not to, yeah, they kind of threatened him, and he promised not to, but he did anyways on the sly, and I don't know. Well, I guess it's no use asking him on the show then, eh? But it, uh, well, I've, I've uh, actually, I, I, I emailed him here the other, uh, last week or week before to, you know, I like to, to debate with him, to argue with him publicly, um, common law versus, he poo-poo's common law, and he thinks he knows what it means, and I like to, to, argue with them publicly, bring to light uh, between the human rights and and using their stuff and accessing human rights as compared to a man operating at common law. Now, I've had a couple of buddies trained by him that have gone and done, like up here we have what they call a constitutional challenge, and one, <laughs> one of them, the guy I was helping today get ready for court on Monday, um, you know, he was one of them's been kicked out of every major courthouse in BC and and uh, and Alberta, and, and my buddy Dave, who's who's usually a pretty calm guy, he was pretty upset when it all happened to him. But he was in last week because he did his constitutional challenge, and they weren't giving him a date, so he decided he went from Vancouver over to the island to the main courthouse by the legislature and. And uh, to, to, you know, to say, hey, look, no, we need a date. I, I, I require a date now. And two big cops, close to seven feet tall, took him, arrested him, ripped off his clothes, abused him, dragged him down the hall in handcuffs. He sat in a jail cell for 24 hours with no clothes, and then they gave him, you know, whatever. 
and then dragged him five days later back into court. And he doesn't know what the hell kind of court it was, but when he entered, there was like between 20 and 30 robed men acting as judges in the court. I'm not kidding. He thinks he went to a judge school. They took him to a judge school. And this is for trying to access his human rights. And and the thing I didn't, like, Dave knows I went into common law, you know, two and a half years ago and started studying, and then I ended up uh, with a controversy, and I just stood in common law since the day of the arrest all the way through. But David put all his effort and study into the statutes and enactments and the human rights and the covenants and the laws, and so he wanted to stick with it, and and I did respect that. I mean, shit, because uh, I had a friend, or a couple of friends, Joe and Catherine, that, that Carl came up to help, and, you know, they kept going back and forth, and, you know, they were, like, double-minded, and everybody could see, everybody at court could see double-mindedness, and, you know, they both ended up doing time. But with Dave, he kept, he stuck to his guns, and I wanted to watch him follow through. And the thing was, he was using their stuff, and no, those, those human rights laws and covenants don't mean shit. The only good thing they're, they're good for is CF. You know, and that's, that's the only thing. And I, I, I used one as a CF about slavery being outlawed in all its forms when I was in court last June, right? Which shut down the court for five months. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. So now. When- when people when people align themselves with the common law, doesn't that just mean previous court decisions? Isn't that the same thing as oh no, that's British, all the other laws? That's that's British common law, which is also a statute. So when the Brits after the Magna Carta, the Brits decided to come out with a statutory law they call British common law. That's the full title of it. That's the word for it. But and, what's the common law that you're referring to, though? I, I don't understand well, what, law what you mean by common law. Common law man. That's law common to I, okay? You, you're just, it's, so you're talking it's, about hu- just human, it's social... The, it's the customs of the people. The customs like, of the people. Okay. Yeah, like, like common law, in its raw form, goes back to basically what Dean used to always say, do no harm. Like, if I come and take something from you and, and rob you, you know... That what I've done is broken the law, the law of man. You know, I went okay. and robbed my fellow man of of something that didn't belong to me, right? And so you have a right to either um, get this back, you know, because I entered your jurisdiction, or as in the civilized days, uh, we instead of instead of you coming down and taking your shit back and burning down my barn and then me going and attacking you because one of my kids died in the fire, you know. We we decided to make a common law, like the first chapter of that book from Oliver Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. The Making of the Common Law really explains common law how we brought it modern common law as we brought it about. But British common law is a statutory law that resembles it's, it's like a mirror of common law. They mirrored it, right? Okay, so that's that's the. I, I, when I hear common law, I'm not sure what people are talking about. I don't know if you're talking about statute law or, like you say, the law of man. And I think a lot of people say we want to stick to the common law. And I'm well, not sure what they mean. If you come over that. and cause you harm, you come yeah. back, you know, you, you you hold my ass to court, and you say, hey, man, you caused me harm. And here's how much harm. Here's my bills to prove it. And then I have to compensate you for said harm. I think that's what's confusing to me is is if you're going to just deal man to man, why would you take it into a commercial court and have a man 
acting well, as a no, judge. Well, no, see, our courts, our courts are actually uh, uh, multi-jurisdictional or bi-jural kind of thing. See, our judges wear many hats. And um, the reason they may, made it that way is because when, when all the courts were separate back in the day, you know, Law Merchant Court, Admiralty Court, uh, uh, the Chancellor's Court, the King's Court, when yeah. they were all separate, they were always fighting for jurisdiction. And, 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 uh, and so what happened in more modern times was they said, okay, you know, there are a couple of courts, like an IRS court is just a private court. But, you know, your state courts um, and your federal courts are by jural. They can see both sides. And then, so, like, when I was at Queen's Bench at Alberta, Canada, um, there's that was their Queen's Bench, but I entered my Queen's Bench. Their Queen's Bench is a, is a um, uh, what do you call it, uh, copywritten, you know, private. And I went in with my own claim and and uh, and and access Queen's Bench, which is uh, which is a, a court of record. And because I answered with a claim, my claim trumped their complaints. And so basically, they stayed the charges and ran away from me at the end of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm always surprised if they actually follow their own rules. It's it's like a if you're operating under their rules, you're 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 the guy that handles the garbage, and yeah, no, they'll do whatever, and they can change the rules anytime they want. And they can kick the garbage man around. It's right? Very, okay. very, yeah. Very you as their creator, right? A court of record. You are their superior, and they have a duty and responsibility to the man at that court, whereas you have a right. A man has a right. But but prosecutors and those personas you were talking about earlier all have duties, responsibilities, and obligations. The only duty and responsibility and obligation a man has is to his fellow man. I don't yeah. have one to a prosecutor, to a judge. Now, and I'd rather I walk on the yeah. I don't recognize a prosecutor. I don't recognize a judge. What I recognize is my fellow man that is filling those personas. All right? I'm looking at my fellow man. So it's it's my duty and obligation, responsibility to be courteous because I am looking at these people man to man. They may be looking down at me as one of their subordinates, but I'm looking at them as my fellow man. So I will deal with them as my fellow man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's 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 yeah. how common law works, and that's how. See, a man can stand. A man builds his foundation upon bedrock. But but personas can only maintain a position, all right? And that's a foundation built in sand. Right. It's and a creative talk, position. Yeah. Right. That's why I don't I don't I don't like to gamble. I I want to know what's going on. I want I want to walk on solid ground. I don't want to play this game with these people. Well, when I when I well I'm sorry. What was your name again, Bob? Yeah. Okay, Bob. Uh, I'm Al. But uh, when see when I got busted. Um, and pulled out of the private, right? And um, they wanted 10 years. They wanted to give me 10 years in jail. So I had everything on the line. I have a blind, autistic, disabled son and and a family and and responsibilities, duties, and obligations to them. But I stood as a man right from the side of the highway, right in through the the whole process. Yes. Yes. 
because I I believed who I was, I believe what land this is, and I have a right. And I did not cause harm to anybody, and at no time was my weed in the public. At no time was my weapon in the public. At no time. I was of no threat. I was a man going from point A to point B in my own private cubicle. And that's, I have a right to do that. Man, is, it's common to man to go from point, point A to point B in private yeah. for thousands of years. And uh, right? as, as it turned out, they what happened? They uh, dismissed the charges or let you go? Or what, what did they do? They ended up staying the charges, which is like a common law prosonolicu, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was actually pretty funny at the time. Uh, I mean, they could bring them up if they wanted to, but I don't think they are. I really don't. I really believe that they're not. And if they do, I'm hitting them okay. hard because I got my claims in. I have my claims, my suits at court now, and I've been playing with my attributes and, and my accoutrements and stuff, just adding to my suits and my spare time since the pressure came off, so that they're all ready to go. So if anybody tries to haul my ass back into court. I will send them a summons, and they will have the same date I do, and we'll look at both matters at the same time. Because the judge has more than one hat and can see a statutory case and a common law case at the same time. Can I ask you something that, um, it might be a little bit off topic, but I'm, I'm just dying of curiosity about this. And, and uh, I've been following Vic Beck's escapades for years and i don't know if you're familiar with uh vic beck but he uh i believe he he lived in uh where did quebec i don't remember where he, where he, where he lived but he he uh have you ever seen the uh his any of his interviews he's done a lot of interviews and a lot of talks and a lot of lectures i've listened to a lot of hours he makes a lot of sense yeah he was he, dealing with the cra up here wasn't he, 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 he what he did i I, I I think so, but what he did was he went down to a, a a market, a place where they distribute food, and he gave him a heads up that he's going to come out down there and and take food because he needs the food, and he and he and he did it knowing that when him and these two guys they him and two his two friends they took the food uh, and the, and the girl said are you going to pay for it and he goes this is our common heritage, and he walked outside and he waited until these men, these men playing policemen, they showed up and of course they arrested them and took them off to the uh to to jail. And and Vic did that because he said, I want this to go before the court. I want to talk to these people openly about this. This needs to be straightened out. And uh when they listened to him talk and his commitment, they kicked him and his two friends out the back door. They said, No, we don't we don't want you bringing this issue into court. Yeah, I know he's also lost uh a number of court cases, and I know he did some time for income tax. It might, stuff, it might, trying to use his stuff. I, I was wondering what, if I whatever. Come over to your your vending, right? You're selling apples, and I come over to you and take your property in the daytime. That's actually robbery. I'm causing my fellow man harm. You were the one that went out and picked the apples, grew the trees, cleaned the apples, set up the market, right? You need to be compensated for your time and labor, and it is wrong. For for a man to go and just take what belongs to you—that's your property. That's it's it's that's exclusive to all others. 
and, and belongs to you, man. What and if I, I disagree I, with you? What if I what if I did pick all those apples and oranges and I put them into crate boxes and I set them out for people and people are telling me that that's my property? What if I disagree? What if I say these are natural resources of the earth? See, because I have, it's property, you can do what you wish. Well, who says it's but my property? If you wish to put them out for free for people... Who's who says it's any who's who's the one making the claim that anything in the universe is property? I don't see property, but apparently other people do. When they look around, people see property. I don't see property. I think you're confusing property with ownership. Isn't property well, really a claim of ownership? No, well, yeah, nobody really owns anything. We all have to give it up at some time or another, right? You know, you live or you die, right? And well, if there's no claim of ownership, then what is property? Well, if if you choose to pick apples and put them out and and, and donate your labor and your time uh, for the benefit of of your fellow man, you know, power to you. I mean, I do that with the food bank here, but uh, but if if you're there and you need to feed your family, and I'm sure apples don't, you know, add enough sustenance in your diet, then. Uh, then and and wish to be compensated for your time and labor. Yeah, no, that's you have a right to that. Of course, a man has a right to that. You know, that would be like, uh, well, that's robbery. That's slavery, right? Oh no, that's that belongs to the universe. I'm taking that. Well, hang on, no, no, this is my property. It's in my possession right now. Uh, if you wish to have one of my apples, um, give me a nickel. If you wish well, to go get your own, I'm sure there's some trees over there out in the well with some Macintoshes on them. Go get your own, man. Well, whenever yeah. we say take things, you, you, you were talking about common law. And isn't it, it, I, I broke it down to these three, which a lot of people talk about. I agree. Don't harm people. Don't deceive them. And don't so is it not take harm things from take them. something that belongs to somebody else? Like, is it not harm for you to come in my house and... and right. Uh, so that's my, why... If we want to have good social interactions under the common law, we don't do those things. Instead, we, we show respect and cooperation, and we share, and we reciprocate with each other. Yeah. You, just, you just Actually, you just answered your own question, why you wouldn't go and take somebody else's apples, but put right. all his time and labor into to making sure that he had a sellable product or a tradable well, there's um, there's a scripture that says, thou shalt not steal. We know that stealing is wrong. So robbery are two different things. Yeah, stealing, yeah. robbery, same thing to me. So to, when when you use the word theft or robbery or property, since I don't see property, I don't see theft, but what, the way I say it is you don't take things from people that they value. If someone has something in their possession that they value, it doesn't matter if someone's holding their child or a doll or a, or a bicycle, mm-hmm. if someone has something in their possession that they value, they're going to hate you and resent you. We know this. This is human nature. They're going to hate you and resent you if you take someone from somebody without their permission, without their consent. You just take it, and they value it. They're going to hate you for that. A, a child will cry, but a, but a man will shoot you in the face. So yeah. we know this is part of human nature. So you don't take well, In my circles, yeah, I'm going to hurt you. Right. Yeah. But But in order to have cooperation and respect for people, why why would we say I'm I, I, I guess I'm confused about well, if what people if believe if about respect that, somebody else, you would it's, ask it's, do you mind if I have an apple? Right. It's the it's, it's the claim of ownership and the property. I, I I'm 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 trying to understand what people mean when they say 
it's there's a claim of ownership and then there's property. I'm trying to get that straight in my mind because I just see nature. When I look out, I see nature. Now, other people say I see property, and other people say, no, I make it a claim of ownership. And I, I've, I've equated, I, I think of those as synonymous, but you're saying they're not synonymous. You're saying a claim of ownership and property are two different things. No, I'm saying claim of property and ownership and nature are all different. That's why they're spelled different. So why... Why do you, why do you, I guess I'll ask you, why do you see property when you look at things and I just see nature? I just see things. There are artifacts. That means man put it together. It's an artifact. Or it just well, came that way in nature. But all I see are nature or things that men put together. But I don't see property. So why do you see property? Why do I see property? Because some man or woman worked their ass off to, to acquire that property in one way or it's another, whether they went out in the forest and, and built a log house or cut the log, shaped the logs, and came home and built themselves a house, it cost them. And it cost them their time and effort that can never be replaced because our time and le- effort is limited on this planet. All right? Okay, I have and now they value, now they value they that house. Right? right to walk over and claim their house. Well, they're, they're in possession of something that they now value. Right, and it would be wrong of anyone to try to take that from them or cheat them out of it, deceive them, well, or hurt them. Property. That's just you just explain property, right? Now with ownership, ownership is more towards my liability on something. All right, I'm just when I when I claim ownership, I'm proven that I am liable for that, right? And if it causes harm to somebody else. I'm the one liable that you can go to 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 uh, uh, receive compensation. So ownership means if you have a, a, a rake sticking up in your yard and I step on it and hurt myself. In other words, if you have a car out in the middle of the street and cars are going around and somebody gets hit, and if somebody says, well, who's going to take responsibility? Well, the owner, right, the one who claims ownership of it has to take responsibility for So if you claim you own the house, then you're responsible for it. So ownership and property are two different things. Well, don't property doesn't property, property and you imply, won't get the face. But doesn't property <laughs> imply ownership though? Yeah, it may imply something, but uh uh That's I'm having you're, a hard time. You're with responsible it. for your a man is responsible for his own action. Okay. Now, if you trespass if you trespass on my property and you got a rake in the face. Well, what the hell were you doing here? Right? What were you doing sneaking well, around my property? I don't know you. Well, this is why this is why animals and humans have little living areas, and we want we want a little private area to where we say, "Hey, please leave me alone here." And and it's out of respect and cooperation that I don't go on someone else's and just walk in and say, "I'm going to start looking through your stuff and see what I want." I do that because of respect and cooperation, not because of laws, not because of I'm property ownership, not because of claims of title. It's out of respect and cooperation that I don't go and well, get in like, other people's things that they're using. It's like natural law. Like a bear has some cubs, and he go and trespass on that bear's jurisdiction, and she believes that her cubs are, 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 are in danger from you, you're going to get hurt. And she has a right to protect her property. That's her property. And she and it's instinctive. Now, as 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 mankind, we have a duty of uh, stewardship to nature. 
I mean, God did give us um, authority and rule over the over the planet, right? Over the earth, and we do have a duty and responsibility and obligation to nature uh, to balance things out. You know, that's why hunting's really good because if you get an overpopulation of deer, you have a lot of deer starving in the winter. At least up here, you do. And uh, and it's good to, to cull them or thin them out and, and eat the meat and, you know, make use of them and give thanks for it, right? A deer well, gave us so, so you could live. And at the same time, you thinned out the herd so so it could live, right? Well, these are, things that, these are things that we do, but I don't believe that anyone has – I don't believe there are sinners. I don't believe there are debtors, and I don't believe that people have an obligation to anything. I don't believe that. We do I know there are sinners, and I know there are debtors. You believe that you're a sinner and a debtor? Well, a guy goes into uh, um, a guy goes into um, um, what do you call it? Um, for uh, not foreclosure, sorry. Um, uh, what's that? Went uh, bankruptcy court. He's going in as a debtor. That's his persona. He's going in saying, "I'm a debtor," right? <laughs> And so he just gave over jurisdiction of his life to somebody else as a debtor. That's so you believe that people are in debt? I don't believe in I don't believe in debts or sins. I, I just don't believe that people have an obligation to do anything. We do things, and our human nature guides us to do things. But I don't believe anybody has an obligation to do anything. And I don't believe anybody's a sinner. And I don't believe anybody's a debtor. Why Why would people want to walk around saying I'm a debtor and I'm a sinner? Why Why would no, people, but people want do. But why? What, what's the point? Why, what's the do. point of saying I'm a debtor and I'm a sinner? What's What's the point? Well, I don't know. If I borrow something from you, am I not in debt from you? Did I not? See, the contract is always the law. So if you and I have a contract, I'm going to borrow this, I'm going to give it back, and I'm going to give you something extra in return for your for your for your kindness. That's a contract. And now I'm indebted to you. I put myself in that position to be debted to you. So now I'm a debtor to you. That's Simple. your that's that's your opinion. That's your conclusion. I don't believe you. But if anything. I did that, I you know what? Be. If I if I work and do things for you all day long, and I've done this many, this is how I live my life. I do that thing. I work my ass off because I like you and I care about you, and I do things for you all day long. You don't owe me anything. You're not a debtor. You don't. You don't have no obligation to me whatsoever. I did it no, because I, I would, chose to. If I, I a, chose to do that. If I make a deal with you to hire you and say, okay, look, man, I'm going to give you 150 bucks today if you give me uh, eight, ten hours of uh, labor. Okay. I owe you, we man. Can, we can choose. We can choose to do that if we so desire. Now, people have taken that and they run with it, and now we have all these bills and debts and charges and everything. And I'm having to ask myself, and what happened here? Now, do you work? Now, do you get paid? Not not now. No, I haven't done that but, for many years. But you've but, but you've, uh, you've done that, right? You've you've gotten a job and say, okay, we'll pay you. I've I've, I've done that. I've done that, and I've always felt there was something wrong with this society and the way it works. There's something not right under the surface. It's asked backwards. There's something not right about this, and I now know what it is that's bothered me. It's, and what it's, is that? It's the fraud and discrimination. It's monetary discrimination. And it's in its social persona, pretending to be something you're not, claiming these titles. That's fraud. When you, if you try to pass yourself off to me as something that you're not, you're committing fraud. That's what's bothered me my whole life. Is this monetary discrimination is based on the fraud of fraudulent misrepresentation? 
people pretending to be something that they're not. And what this does is it leads us to do inhumane things like turn off the water and kick people out of houses, lock them up in jail for nonviolent offenses, turn people out, homeless people, this discrimination by saying if you have money, you can eat here, but if you don't have money, get out. This always struck me as wrong, but I couldn't articulate it. Now I am articulating it. This is what bothers me about society. It turns us from human beings that care about each other into inhuman, dehumanized waitresses and customers and businessmen and lawyers and judges and, and tenants and residents. It turns it, We dehumanize each other every time we label each other as these, these things that can now, we can act against them and, and do all kinds of inhuman, inhumane things to them and say, I'm in the right because I'm playing this role and you're playing that role. Now the private gets to shoot the insurgent in the head. Private, shoot him in the head. Okay, bang. He did the right thing. He followed orders, right? This turns us into inhuman. This is what's been bothering me my whole life. And I'm trying to, when I talk to people, I'm trying to straighten out, how did we turn ourselves around backwards from being caring, loving, sharing human beings into being cold, callous businessmen who look at profits and property and jurisdiction and we don't even see each other as human beings. We see each other as constituents and clients and citizens and residents. Well, the one thing I learned from taking human rights law was uh, studying that was that um, a human is a what, not a who. Okay? Okay. Yeah. A human belongs to a man. All right? It's a what, not a who. Man is who. Right? Okay. So, okay. So here I am. I'm out it's a million years ago, and I'm out in the forest, and I build myself a place to live. Now, you come by starving. It would be, it would be uh, to nature to, to give you, you know, uh, allow you to, to share my roof and, rather than leaving you out in the forest freezing and hungry and feed you. I mean, that, that's what mankind does. But at the same time, if you think you're going to just sit there and eat all my food and live under my roof that I worked for, that I built, and uh, allow me to go out and, 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 and forest for food and, uh, and stuff, bullshit. I'm going to kick you out, right? You're just a free loafer, you know, a ne'er-do-well. Well, well, we know that... He, give a hand, give a hand. Clean well, the cabin while I'm out hunting. Uh, uh, you know, plant the garden, tend the garden, do something. Okay, hey. well, we know human nature dictates that if I come in and take advantage of you and take things from you or cheat you, you're going to hate me and resent me for that. Well, no, I'm just going to boot you out. I might forgive you, but guess what? My forgiveness comes with the toe of my boot, you know? I forgive you. I'm not going to sit here and hold a grudge. Well, if, if That's you, like carrying if, baggage. I'm not going to carry your baggage. You know, you may want to try to... To, to cause me to hate you, but that that's that's up to me, and right. and I don't wish to hate. Actually, I'm 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 quite the forgiver, but uh, that doesn't mean I have to carry your fucking baggage just because you wish a, the free loaf off of me. I, I think there's a misconception here. Whenever I talk about giving and sharing and caring for people, people tend to think that that I want everything given to me for free, and I don't want to provide anything for anybody else. It seems like this conversation always moves in that direction. Okay, I'm well, talking about I'm talking I, about mutual so, respect and caring, and and 
and sharing, not cheating, not deceiving each other, not committing fraud. Let's let's have a spirit of cooperation and respect. But why do we have to say, you know, this is mine and that's yours, and now let's fight over who gets it? We either have a choice. We can fight over the natural resources or we can share the natural resources. Bob, let's go back to the apple theology, okay? Uh, The single mother, she goes out and she plants the trees and she harvests her apples. She brings them to market to sell so that she can provide for her child, (coughs) her offspring, (coughs) to pay for the roof over her head to keep her kid warm, um, and you come along and start fucking eating her apples just because you sent her a notice that uh, those belong to nature and I'm going to come eat them. That is wrong, man. That's just straight out wrong. Now, why know? would anyone do such a thing? I mean, maybe someone... Right, so if someone did that, if someone did that, they would resent you and hate you for that. Now, if if I wanted to treat someone like that, people would hate me and resent me. So I why in the world would I want to do that? Most, now I could do that, and people would hate me and resent me, right? So most why? So so we have a freaking broom instead of hating you. Exactly. So so now we're going back to respect and cooperation and sharing and reciprocation. Why yeah, why is it that so why is it that she right needs to? Give, so what gives I don't, the right to give a notice to somebody at the market that he's going to come and eat all their wares? You know what? I gave you notice. So now you got to allow me? Like, what the hell is that? I'm giving you notice here uh, that you're gonna, you're, you know, you're gonna have sex with me on Friday night, and uh, uh, didn't you get my notice? You know, that's bullshit. You know, that's All just great. Right. I think, I think that the the problem here is we're we're unable to think beyond the existing. In this society, we sell buy, do business, and treat each other in an hum- inhumane way. That's how this society works. And I think when we have this discussion, you're unable to think outside of life in this kind of a society where we treat each other in, in these horrible ways. Now, I agree with you that the way you're thinking, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not talking about this society. I'm talking about men and women treating each other like human beings. Okay, well, let's look at the Apache. That's what their name was, human beings. All right. Now, if you didn't, if 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 you didn't uh, get your meat uh, for the winter, your family starved unless somebody else in the tribe uh, shared theirs. But a lot of times they couldn't share theirs because their own family had to survive, and they were called human beings. That's what their name was. So we're going back to tribal times. It was the same then. So maybe you're really good at sharpening arrows or building arrows, and you trade me some arrows for some meat, and I happen to get a little extra meat that I can afford to to give you and your family some and trade for some of your arrows. You know, it's just it's just trading your talents. That's all. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with humane treatment. If you if you were working in this kind of society, you if you're working in this kind of society. And you lost your job, you broke your leg, you were unable to do things, you, you had uh, bills coming in, you couldn't afford them, you used, went through all of your money, you're taking care of your family, and people say, well, no, we're still going to make demands on you. Wouldn't you like it if you said, you know what, wouldn't it be nice if people would, if I could still go down to the restaurant, get some food, and have people, wouldn't you want people to help you out and treat you hum- humanely? Instead Actually, of saying, you know what, we don't care. We don't care what your situation is. You pay the bills, or you, or out you go. Yeah. Now, now I'm asking you, 
wouldn't you rather have people treating you humanely like a human being, no matter if you're successful and healthy or if you're unsuccessful and you suck at this game that we're playing in this society and you're horrible at it and you lose all your money and you go, I don't know what happened. I suck at this game. I'm really bad at it. It doesn't matter. What's wrong with treating people like human beings and caring about, and, and doing things because you care for them instead of saying, it doesn't matter. Pay me or get out. There's something There's inhumane about this system. Problem. There's nothing wrong with that. And my wife's sitting right here, and we did go through that after I got run over by those cars on my bike, on my motorcycle. And we ended up, uh, my dad had bought an old egg sorting shack in a small town outside of the city. And we ended up, I had to, with 67 staples in my stomach and some volunteers, some of my friends, we had to gut that place and turn it into some kind of house. Us and our three babies. And... The people that did it, and this is why I'm really partial to the food bank, because I had to go to the food bank. And I looked at all the donations from the farmers and people, and it was awesome. It was awesome, and that's what got us through. And if if, if my old man hadn't had that, that place, I think he paid 18 grand for it, uh, uh, for us to, for me to shape it into some kind of, uh, some kind of dwelling uh, for us and, and, uh, and go to the food bank. We we would have been. We were literally on the street. So you are talking to somebody who's been through hard times, and with responsibilities, duties, and obligations to my loved ones. Yes. Now, when yeah. people help you out and you say thank you, I got my stomachs ripped open. I can't move. The people come and they say, here, I want to help you, and they give you stuff. Isn't it enough just to say thank you? Do you have to say now I'm obligated to you? Now I owe you. I don't believe no, in obligation. There's a difference. There's a difference between a gift and and a freeloader. That's uh, two different things. I didn't freeload, right? But I did thank those folks and give thanks for what I did receive. Okay. And as now, soon as I was able, I was out doing things, and I picked up, I picked up more people on the side of the highway, brought them home, fed them, and showered them, and you know, huh. also continue on your way to the point where my my old lady really didn't like it. <laughs> well, we're we're focusing on the people that people gave charitably to you, but we're not focusing on the people who are saying who are discriminating against you and and writing you threatening letters and saying if you don't keep up with your bills, we're going to take action against you. I and I would like to like I like because huh? that's a threat. That's a threat. Excuse me. This is like like yeah. my niece got a computer generated uh uh letter with no signature or anything from uh, from our healthcare system in BC, and British Columbia is the only province in Canada that that, that pays for healthcare every month or every two months or whatever. And uh, so she got one. She's a new mother. Her 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 newly husband is a young guy too, and he's off work and doing the best he can. And their money was very short, and so she had been making payments what she could, but she got this threatening letter from the Crown. So I said, she come down, and she says, Uncle Al, what do I do about this? And I says, well, let's let's write some letters. So we went to the man, uh, or the woman, actually, that was in charge of uh, Ministry of Health, and we wrote her a letter, and we said, we broke the letter into two parts. We wrote her a letter and said, hey, you know, um, um, I have received this, this threat by way of extortion uh, from somebody under your... Uh, 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 to, from one of your subordinates, and I require you to to um, to find out who who the man or woman is that sent this to me, uh, and 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 deal with them appropriately, and get back to me about this. 
And then on the other hand, we sent one back to the office because it was unsigned and said, who is the matter woman that I need to deal with pertaining to this matter? Okay. And she got the sweetest letter back and, and instead of the crown threatening, because they were threatening to take all she had over this health care. I'm sorry about you you guys and your Obama shit, but uh, uh she got a beautiful letter back saying, uh, you're at the lowest that we that uh, that we can get for payment, but we will hold all accumulating interest and accept the payment that you can, and please catch up uh, as quickly as possible when you're able. And she, she looked at me and she goes, Uncle Al, I had no idea I could do this. And I see, because we were dealing with the man and the, or the woman that, that was liable for this shit. And that's your public servant. So uh, uh, simple it, letters it, help a lot. And it's like you said, you were saying yourself, you know, you're writing letters, people are being cordial to you. Uh, so it's just a matter of communication. Yeah, good communication. Uh, did did Sona did Sonia want to say something? No, I I was just trying to point out Bob that I I, I can, I can that you're um, you're basically talking about the, the fiction. You're saying that, you know, why shouldn't, you know, why can't they um, be like most men and women? You know, when somebody is down and out, you know, you've usually got friends or family, and friends and family will help each other out. But you were you were basically focusing on the fiction, correct? Well, I'm focusing on the men and women that are so caught up in playing this game that they will use this monetary discrimination to write threatening letters, even when you're having a hard time. Now, I appreciate the people that are trying to help out. That's wonderful, and I want to focus on them. But I'm also focused on these people. How can you be so cold and callous as to say that when someone is injured or sick, you're still going to kick them out of the house? You're still going to shut off their water? You're still going to make demands and threats? I think I'm focusing on the people. Why, why are these people taking this role-playing games so seriously they're willing to hurt and damage people there there has to be a way to say you know what enough is enough and now we're going to stop today we're going to stop no more games and these these obviously you know they don't want to stop playing the games they want to keep playing these games but it's affecting our real lives in real life this game they're playing can be very detrimental it's the greed in this system it's it's the way the the world's going it's it's the greed, and, uh, you know, it, it just can't be stopped. I blame it on the crowd. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm turning to men and women and saying, you know, you've you got to stop stop this pretend game. Uh, a man wearing a crown and a robe, you know, somebody, I, 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 I have to turn to people and say, look, you know, enough is enough. There has to be a time and a place where you can say stop. Well, and this is where, this is where I see common law, and and a man or a woman showing up to put this thing into hold, like like I kind of I, I kind of uh, liken it to looking back, uh, say I don't know 150 years ago, and you see a man or a woman on a common law land knew their rights, okay, and the governments that we created, they would operate. Now governments always get out of hand. That's what they do. They always want to get out of hand. They always push the limits. They have people. Just in just in charge of seeing what limits they can push, right, with the with the population. So, anyways, you know, at one time, you know, we knew who we were, all right, 
uh, from our Creator and uh, as man on the on on this land, and and so they they tiptoed more because they knew they could be liable if they if they did harm to their fellow man. And so as time went on, we got a little more complacent about it because we had the government trained to act in a certain manner, and then we got more complacent, and we stopped we stopped teaching our 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 the, the next generation. And the next generation, the next generation, we just got complacent, and and so the our creation started teaching us how to act. And what we have right now is a, is a world of people that were created by our governments or their minds were, you know, they were shaped that way. And so everybody thinks that uh, the big goal is to have and to do and to hack on those who don't have or didn't make it and be, feel good about other people's problems. And and that's what I do see. And this is why I love common law so much, because the more I have indulged in common law, the more I see God. And the more I stand as a man with my creation or against my creation or just stand to my creation, the more... I see them fold because they can only maintain a position and I can yeah. stand and my standing is on bedrock. And so I do see a coming, you know, if, 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 if the more like my, my sons are taught this, what we're talking about tonight and, uh-huh. and, um, they act in a certain manner. I mean, my niece is learning how to write a proper letter to hold the other man or woman accountable for harm uh, caused to her by by our creation, and and so I think what is it three percent changes a country, you know, and uh, I think the more we get this out, and the more we stand, and the more successes we have, and it's going to be it's going to be an effort, man. It's just not going to happen just because right. right. and 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 you know stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is why I see um, uh, common law being such an important aspect for our way of life for our, for our children in the future. Well, it sounds so like I'm, it's working out 50, good for you. Well, I'm yeah. fifty some odd years old. I got nothing left to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm doing too. Exactly. No. Alan, can I ask a favor sometime if um, if you've got time? Appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everyone coming before the show shuts down here. Um, it's not a show without everyone, and it's a great learning process. And I'm so happy that that you've all come and uh, shared with us uh, so many different subjects. But Al, I was wondering if uh, sometime um, I would stop swearing. No, no, no. It's okay. It's not every other word. No, <laughs> no. I was wondering if you'd mind sharing. Uh, some of your experiences about how how you you know got your claim into court, you know maybe maybe next week if you have time or something, um, you know your your process, how you've got your claim, your file, you know you filed into court and things like that because there's a lot of pieces missing, at least right. in with with me anyway. There's a lot of things I think that we could learn from you and. If sometime if you could share that with us, that would that would be wonderful. Sure, I was um, actually I was writing the whole thing out step by step for Angie, um, 
And then, well, with Christmas, and I'm dealing with compensation at the moment, and they keep sending me off to Calgary for, for physio and stuff, which is weird. But uh, just, and, and I'm helping a few guys right now with their court. So I've just been, I was sharing this, and I hope she doesn't think I abandoned her on it. But, uh, yeah, no, I was doing this step-by-step for Ange, and uh, uh, I hope to get back to it. And uh, the other thing, my buddy that, 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 uh, spent all these years studying and acting um, as a human being within the human rights and the covenants. I really wanted to get him on my show. I have never done a show except for one little commentary. It's called Making Sense of Lens. But uh, I really want to get him out so people can understand that when... Here's what happens when you operate within the statutes and covenants and stuff. And and that poor guy, I'm telling you, he's been through hell. And he's got court on Monday. Yeah. But, uh, okay, there's a couple of ways to file a claim. And and basically, like Bob was saying, you know, it's about being courteous. Because you may be dealing with a man or woman at the, at, at, at the court clerk's office that just really doesn't know because they've never... They, they, all day long, these people, eight hours a day, five days in, five days out, their whole lives, they're dealing with the legal society. So a guy comes up, and he tries to enter a claim as a man, and they just don't understand it because they've never been taught, and they've never seen such a thing. So it's it's really important to be courteous to to the folks that are running the front desk. And, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll come on and talk to you about it. Um, I went to the building manager, which is the chief justice of Southern Alberta, and I sent him, I sent my claim into the, the the court clerk, which is the chief clerk, and then I I also sent her a letter, and I sent it in a certain style, and then I cc'd the letter I sent to her to the chief justice and sent him a letter with my claims. And then I also cc'd her <laughs> the letter to the Chief Justice. Mm. And just just so that everybody knows what's happening, because like Bob was saying, he's going to the CEO, he's going to the chief, their, the chief financial officer and stuff, and you have to go to the man or woman that's, that's acting as the boss, okay? Mm-hmm. You can only deal with, with the subordinates for so long, and you're not going to get anywhere because they really don't understand Right. So, so just to attack them is just being mean. Exactly. So, yeah. so I'm trying to court them, <laughs> basically. I'm just trying to be a gentleman and say, hey, look, yeah, okay, this is fine, but, you know, I'm going to have to go to your boss. And and so now the Chief Justice, he damn well knows what's going on. And up here in Canada, you know, uh, Queen's Bench, court of record, uh, trial by jury, man on man, he knows exactly what that means. And he also knows it's free to the queen and her subjects, which is something else I did. I don't care if it's free. I'm not begging, but I have a right. And that is the bottom line. I have a right. And they have a duty and obligation and responsibility to men. Simple. (laughs) The legal society only rents our courts. They're renting space at our public courts. That's what they're doing. But do those people only see this stuff day in, day out? So they know how to do this stuff with their eyes closed, but they just really get confused when a man shows up. Like Bob, uh, maple syrup, Chris. I don't know if you know about maple syrup, Chris, um, Sonia. But Carl had come up to help his dad, and Carl got de- detained at uh, 
when he flew into Regina uh, by customs because they didn't want him up here. So I've been working with Chris and his dad, and am working with his dad right now. Um, <clears throat> but Chris's dad did get his own claim, and, and of course they did alter it. So last week it was funnier than heck. Last week uh, when I was in Calgary for this uh, compensation evaluation thing, uh, we're, we're talking. I says, "Okay, well," I says, "Alan, his name's Alan as well." I says, "Alan," I says, "Just phone the court." And say, hey, my name's Alan. Who am I talking to? Just to get a name, just so we have a name of a man or a woman to deal with, rather than these obscure, fictional characters and titles. Mm-hmm. And what he does, well, it was funny. I recorded the call, but uh, <laughs> it's funny. He goes and he takes it right <laughs> further, and he says, "Hey, that's my claim, and I require, I require court on Tuesday." He goes. <laughs> <laughs> and she panics, and she goes, you know, you could get me fired from even talking to you. And he says, I don't care. He says, I, I'm requiring the court manager, because when he called for the court manager, they sent him to the janitor. I'm not kidding. Or not the uh, court manager, the building manager. When he acquired the building manager, they sent him actually to the janitor. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not kidding. So so we were talking about this. <laughs> so, he got across who exactly he wanted to talk to and who was interfering with his right to hold court. And then he took a little too far, and he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, and I required a whole court on Tuesday. <laughs> he phones me back. I go, Al, I says, you're not ready to hold court. He says, I don't care. It's my court. <laughs> so there's, I believe there's going to be a preliminary in chambers. And don't kid yourself. When you go into chambers, that is court. They are holding court. Yeah. When you're in chambers, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people think it's just like an invite and a nice, uh, a nice talk session and stuff. So, I I may fly over and get up to Yorkton to to sit with them as as a friend. Um, well, these, help these, these are little little things that uh, you know we need to learn. Like uh, going in chambers, you know, like does everybody do that? You know, be, before they go to court, like is it is that uh, something? that everybody does? Yes, uh, no. It's a preliminary style hearing that they try to catch you off guard and think it's just an informal meeting between the minds, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a meeting of the minds is what they try to bring it across, right? But it's actually court. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, I'm going to do my best to get up there with him. So uh, his son Chris, there, he can air mile me to Regina. I got a buddy in Regina. I helped with the city that can lend me a truck, and I can boot up to York. <laughs> Give a hand, <laughs> and it's great because when you know who you are and you know what your standing is, and you know who they are, it, it's wonderful because you it, it helps you to be courteous. It helps you to, like Bob says, you know. To treat everybody like a human being, it's very easy when you're looking at your equals. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. When you're standing there in fear because of paperwork and 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 threats and coercion and all that stuff, all that does is prove that you're just one of their subordinates, and and it doesn't help matters. But when you know you're a man, you stand as a man, act like as a man, and talk as a man. They know who they have in court, and they start getting sheepish. And I've seen that in my own life, and it's awesome. And I just love it. 
Not that I'm pressing it. I mean, when I shut down the court there uh, for five months with this one notice I put in, um, it basically just said, uh, you know, I am man, I'm a legal idiot. Uh, neither I nor my person are competent to partake in the legal society. Uh, uh, I am not a, a legal code decipher. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I... I um, I require the man or woman to come forth uh, so that I may beg for forgiveness and compensate my fellow man. And basically, I mean, that that shut down the court for five months. Wow. I don't know if I got it word for word, but it's close. Yeah. And uh, gave wow. the court a lecture about slavery, you know, because <clears throat> the, the, the judge tried to say, well, this is your society. And, and then I went off on, I shouldn't have, but I went off on a tyrant. And I says, uh, but we, I had him talking man to man because he wouldn't let me. Uh, he wouldn't let me enter anything, get leave of court for pen, pen, paper, and ink. And we had argued about this three times, so I wasn't going to continue with the argument. I just looked at the man and I said, "Sir, is that your wish?" And he looked at me and he said, "Yes, that is my wish." Okay, I got the court flipped. Now we are man to man. So, wow. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun, and I had a great fun. Uh, it was. I was walking on a cloud when I left the court. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't finish my thought, and I went off on the tyrant. That's okay. That's okay. No, it, it's all important. It's all. What I what I have seen, what I learned from Carl, and what I've applied, bad or good, in my own life, and standing at court, um, I've seen it work. I've seen it be true, and uh, I will not enter any other way. That's the way I will appear at court. That's encouraging. encouraging. Well, before the the show shuts down, like I said, uh, thank you, Bob, and uh, everyone for coming, Janine and Roddy and all our guests and Aaron and everyone, some some new new names here. Retiap, (laughs) Eric. I'm just looking down the list here. Thank you so much for all these coming, you know, because it's not a show without you. I've had some, uh, a lot of shows with very few friends on it. And it. Uh, I really want to keep this show going because, um, you know, I've got a per, uh, per, personal, private interest in learning from you too. You know, like I've got my own issues and we all do. And I uh, appreciate learning from you all. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you again coming so we've got maybe maybe 10 or 15 minutes depends on uh technology when it wants to cut us off so anything else you want to talk about just go for it but i just wanted to make sure that you know i really do appreciate you coming and and i hope you'll come again so we can continue some conversations you know just keep carrying on and learning together oh i'm glad that you're you're hosting this and, and giving everyone a chance to do what we're doing right now and I just wanted to answer Janine's thing here on the chat. You know, she says, I want to know how to file a claim. Oh, she's yelling it on the chat. But once you file a claim, isn't it your court? So you have to know how to run your own court. Yeah. Now, the best way to understand how to run court, I figure, is to read the court rules um, on how they run it. So read about how to do a summons. Read about... Um, how to do the process, how they do the process, you know. Just don't do it with their paperwork and do it with your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's actually pretty simple. 
when when you when you kind of mirror what they do, it, it's 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 in a manner that they understand, and it makes it easy for you. Like I don't have a summons. Like I have my claims in, and I'm still adding to my claims and my. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.